Todd Corbett, TC, York Delo. We're here in Irvine and we're doing a podcast. Thanks for doing this, guys. TC, how are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming over. No, it's good to link up with you guys um, a couple of weeks ago. Well, it's probably a month ago now, wasn't it, at the, uh, the Hall of Fame. Good to see all the old GT guys alongside everybody else. Uh, York was in town. Me and you started talking at the... Um, at the Hall of Fame and you, I know you listen to a lot of the podcasts and uh, I know I've said it in previous podcasts with Jason I really wanted to start diving into some GT stuff because I think there's uh, on top of your your own personal story as a racer the the value that maybe some of the listeners can get of uh, you know GT from the 90s and uh, just just how big and that it was and you as our team manager you had to deal with us all and we've got some great stories and um, I think uh, yeah I think people are going to get a lot of value from this Jorg, me and you have known each other for, God, 80s? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We've raced each other since the 80s, so, uh, and you can give us that Euro perspective as well. So let's get, uh, let's get things going. Uh, TC, where did it all start? How did uh, how'd you find BMX? And uh, give us the, uh, the, uh, the first few years. All right. Well, how it started for me, um, kind, of a, kind of a weird story. I, I, um, I lived on a dirt road in Florida. The road got paved. And so my mom said, I can get a road bike now. And um, I fought with her and fought with her and managed to get a BMX bike. And so I was down jumping this uh, ditch on my BMX bike. And this kid came by and said, hey, you should go to the BMX track and race. I'm like, oh, I'm not racing. I'm just jumping. I love to jump. You know this. <laughs> and then I was only jumping the one ditch anyway. And um, finally, he came by again. And he said it again. And so I got my dad to take me out there. So that's how uh, that's how I got started. It was 1980. And it was at uh, Gordon Barnett Park in Orlando, Florida. That's this, the, the Barnett Park, right? Yeah, that's yeah. across the street from where the current tracks that I think, correct? So this where the worlds were in 87, that the same location there? No, a- across the fence was uh, Barnett Park. Okay, because now was, it's moved again. It's at the fairgrounds. It was at the fairgrounds with the worlds. Right. Has it moved again? It's moved just to the side, or it has in yeah, the last 10 the years, bank, yeah. yeah, last 10, you know. 15 years, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Orlando, Florida. So Yeah, pretty close, pretty close. So tell us about the, the scene back then, 1980. Was it was Brian Fell around? Was Bill Prince around? What, what, what was the scene? Uh, I, I didn't know Brian Fell then or Bill Prince um, when I first started, of course. So I just knew all the Orlando guys, um, and we had a pretty good scene in Orlando. Um, a lot of races, a lot of kids. You know, I don't think I had semis, but um, there was, some, you know, about a full gate when I when I started racing. Of course, I raced in PSA, so you did novice, you did intermediate, and you did expert. And um, so, yeah, it was it was always a good place. And then, uh, not quite like California, but you could travel and start racing in different places, which we did later on. But um, you know, Florida was really strong with BMX. And I think that that helped out a lot uh, for me. So, um, I started in 80 and 81. I, I, I think it was 81 or so. I started racing for Oak Ridge bike shop. That was like my first, uh, sponsor. And the guy that uh, owned that was Bill Daring. Actually dad owned it. And then Bill took it over and, um, Bill kind of plugs into all this because Bill went to uh, work for Jameis, which I work for now. And then he went to work as product uh, development for uh, GT the whole time, the whole GT thing was going on. He was the vice president of product development there. So, kind of interesting plug-in with, with yeah. Oakbridge Bike Shop. And then uh, when he left to go to Jamison, his brother Dave took it over and I raced for uh, for those guys. So that's kind of how it how it started out for me, um, just having fun racing. And then um, in 82, I met um, Lenny Vitticki. Uh He's a guy who lives in South Florida in Hollywood. And for some reason, I don't know why, but he took me under his wing and um, kind of started helping me with, with – 
uh, racing and doing sprints and doing all this kind of stuff. And he would send me these little cassette tapes and he would talk on them and he'd <laughs> tell me what to do and tell me what to think about and stuff. So that was really cool. I, um, Lenny did a lot for me and, and kind of got me on the right track. And he, um, he, he's in NASCAR now, right? Yeah. He, yeah. well, I'm not sure exactly what he's, he's announcing. He has been an announcer forever. He was a great announcer on some of those old videos. Yeah. And, um, but he worked for Childress uh, Motor Sports, which was um, Earnhardt's sponsor. So he was at um, at Childress during the Earnhardt years. Okay, oh, and, wow. And when that all happened wow. as well, when that all went down. So yeah, he's he's been plugged into that, uh, really, really plugged into that scene for a long time. Yeah, I know Reynolds talks about him a lot, and I think he's still mm-hmm. still in contact with him, isn't he? So yeah, yeah, that's cool. So eighty uh, two. Um, who was some any any guys you was racing against that we might know of or. No, not at that who, time. Who, who but, was the top hero of Florida? Like Nelson Chanady or somebody? Yeah, Chanady, uh, Timmy Judge. Okay, Tim Judge. Yeah, so when we would go to the, um, you know, travel and we would go to like these bigger state races, uh, Timmy Judge and Nelson Chanady would show up. Those are probably the big guys. The Essers were really big, but I think in 82 or 3 or so, um, maybe I was uh, I was just getting into it. And I think that I don't think that these state races really had pro races, mm-hmm. so those guys wouldn't show up around the state as much that I can remember. Um, but you know, when we had the nationals in Orlando, all those guys would be there. For yeah, sure. but um, they were further south, so I didn't I didn't get to mix with them as much. And then moving into like say like eighty three, eighty four, like I know you've always been close with Big E, and he was a Florida guy as well. When did you guys kind of link up? Yeah, yeah. Well, so one thing that um, you know, besides the racing stuff, Lenny Vitiki, um you know, taught me is, um, he did some, he did BMX summer tours and he did clinics all the time. So he would travel the state and do clinics. He also organized, uh, um, Florida pro association. So the Florida pros would go to, to certain races and stuff. So he was always involved in the sport. And, um, so me and him were doing a uh, clinic over in Cape Coral and I met Big E. that was in 1983. And, um, he showed up at the clinic and we ended up hanging out and, and being buddies and stuff. And, so that was cool. I'm still really good friends with Big E. We still ride mountain bikes together. Uh, we moved to California together. And so we got a, I got a long history with Big E. And uh, he's been a really good good friend of mine for a long time. And like any sponsors, anything kind of coming through yet? Or? So in uh, 83, again, Lenny does the summer tours and we do clinics. So um, his, his company was called Pro-M Clinics. And um, so one of his buddies from F- South Florida back in the day was uh, – Magoo. So, so Magoo's a Florida guy? Yeah, he was oh, a Florida guy. Over, yeah. I think he was over in um, Bradenton area. So he was uh, over kind of south of Tampa. But those guys all knew each other from the late 70s and, and um, so before me. And um, so we were, he worked for Max. So we were sponsored by Max. And so that was, you want to call it a sponsor, but um, basically we got um, maybe one or two pair of pants and a jersey. Um, and that was it. So I guess okay. we. Some Euro deal that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you want to call it a sponsor or just a, a gift from uh, uh, right, Magoo is basically right. what it was, you yeah. know. And um, so, yeah, we would go. Um, and the, the clinic thing was really key for me. We would uh, – in Florida, you, you just didn't, you know, get in the car and drive out to Pittsburgh for the weekend and race and then drive home. Um, it's a long way. It costs a lot of money. Um, no one – no one was able to do that. No one was flying. You know, it was, it was, uh, we were getting in the car with our buddies. We were splitting gas money. So what summer tour was, is we would go do clinics between the races and we would use the clinic money for gas. And, um, that first tour, my dad would pay my entry fees. Um, the clinic money was for gas and I would sell sticker packs 
um, at the track for uh, food money. I had some money saved up. So basically, um, you know, after the clinic, I would put all the stickers out on the hood of the car and, yeah. <laughs> and try to sell them to every kid that was there. Where did you get the stickers from? <laughs> um, probably from Magoo and, right. and other... So they were like BMX sponsor stickers. Uh, friends of Lenny basically sent right. us stickers. And, we, yeah. and I used to put them together in little, in little baggies. And, and try to sell them. So That's back, cool. you know, er, uh, later though, we would give stickers away and all that. But at first I was selling them and yeah, yeah. so that's how we did it. And that's how we got to, you know, we would spend two and a half months on the road uh, doing clinics and then we would hit all the races up in the, uh, up in the North, um, Northeastern area. We would hit all those tracks in Pittsburgh and all those cool Could places. Could you remember how many kids you get at clinics back then and uh, prices and all that? I think it was about, I think it was maybe 10 to 12 bucks, I think. Right. That's what it was, but we didn't give a lot of stuff away. Um, yeah, we would have some with, you know, five kids, and we would have some with 20, 30 kids yeah, or something wow. like that. So it's totally so, worth it then, yeah. Yeah, no, it was really good, really good. So, and then at the end of, um, actually in 82, my parents got divorced, which I'm saying that because uh, when my mom uh, uh, moved out and my dad, me and my dad started going to races, and that's when we started doing the, you know, racing twice on the weekend, we would, and then we would hurry to go over to somewhere else and race Friday. So I got to do a lot of racing, a whole lot of racing. Yeah. And, um, in 83, I moved to, um, uh, the Zellwood area and that kind of comes into play a little bit later, um, in the, in the story here. So, um, cruise on the 84, 84. Um, I think Magoo went to work for Torker. See, I didn't know Max, that. I didn't know that Magoo was, or this, it was CW. Uh, he was with Torker, and it had something to do with Torker. Right. So anyway, when he set when he sent our Max pants and jersey that year for our clinics, <laughs> he sent a frame and a fork. Right. So um, I guess it was called I think they called it Co Factory, but that was it. It was a frame, a fork, uh, you know, maybe two jerseys and two pair of pants. I think I had a helmet too. And that was when Richie Anderson and Brackens and Miranda were on Torque. It was yeah, a, it was a great yeah. team. So it was it was really cool to to have that gear and the gear looked really neat. Really neat. I think and it still looks good now. It does. Yeah. It does. And it so, is. same thing. You know, to, that year we did all, all the races. We did the three month summer tour and sold stickers and everything. So that was that's how it worked back then. It's crazy. Already, some of the people you mentioned down there become key players mm -hmm. in the industry. You know, Magoo and uh, Bill During mm -hmm. and let's say you, Biggie. It's like it's crazy that the, the seed is planted there, and you guys are. As we get obviously get more into it as we, we go through the years. Yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't think the story was. I mean, my story that I'm telling was was really that interesting. But when you you outlined it for me, and then I plugged in all these guys that I've that I've, uh, you know, have been friends with and worked with and stuff. It like yeah, it's it all comes into play where, you know, they they're all in the industry. They all did a lot of stuff. You know, and yeah, it's really cool. Okay, cool. So, um, '85 uh, it was a big year for me. Um, I started doing a little bit better. Um, I think I might have had the torker still left over, but I started doing a little bit better. But the big thing that happened in '85 was my dad got in this really bad plane crash. I think in April or, or May, and um, uh, a guy that he was with passed away, and and my dad was in really super bad shape. And um, in the was hospital, it like a, a small plane, small plane, yeah. yep, two two seater, and they crashed and. Oh. Um, so he's in really bad shape. So at that point, I was going to the hospital every day, and I really, I didn't even, you know, I didn't really think that I was going to go on tour or do anything. And I, I asked my dad if I said, "Hey," um, or he talked, he asked me about tour or something like that. I'm like, "Well, I, I figured I'm just going to stay here and and you know help you out because he was in the hospital, couldn't walk and mm -hmm. couldn't eat. You know, it was it was bad." So he goes, "Oh no, you got to go on summer tour." 
And um, just that's all, you know, I'll, I'm going to get better and I'm going to be able to take care of myself. So he says, you got to go on tour. So again, went with Lenny and Lenny, um, you know, he was always working on, on things and always doing the best he could do at getting these clinics dialed in. Did he, he race talk, as well? Or? He did. He raced for Skyway, um, was his big sponsor, probably back in the early 80s. But he's been racing in Florida since the 70s. And, um, you know, he's been a big part of Florida racing from back then. But as it gets in 85 or so, he wasn't racing as much. He had some shoulder issues and dislocations and stuff. So mm-hmm. he kind of moved in maybe to the business side of it. But, I mean, he's been months calling these tracks and setting up the tour and everything. So ahead of the game into doing and, that. Yeah, and, and the reason I, I talk about it is because what I learned from Lenny is the same thing I did at, at GT later in the day with right. you guys. Yeah, and then we learned from what we did with you, so, so it kind of gets past, yeah, past, passed yeah. along, you know? So we're still using Lenny's recipe. Right, yeah, thanks, Lenny. <laughs> All these years, you know? So um, so he he was, he was found a guy. I don't know how he found um, this deal, but he worked out a deal with Jolly Rancher, and Jolly Rancher gave us candy to give away at the, at the clinic. So the kid would come to the clinic, and we'd tell him to eat good and stuff, and then we'd give him these Jolly Ranchers. And, <laughs> and I'd try to sell him a sticker pack. And, <laughs> and so... You know, and then we got, you know, we, I don't didn't get a torker that year, but I got, we got Max Leathers from Magoo again that year. And um, so something clicked a little bit that year, I guess, with my dad not being there or not being around um, and being hurt. So I, you know, I started doing a little better at the races. You know, Lenny was really helping me out and he always believed in me, always felt I could, I could do better than I was doing, you know. And so I won a few races that summer. And who was um, you battling with? Uh, Judd Ciencio was um, profile. a profile guy. Yeah. Um, I think Jarrett Justice was okay. my age group for a little while. He came to England. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah so, um, Travis McGee, he was from St. Louis. Dude, he was right? Kokoris. Yeah. yeah, super big guy. So, there, someone put a, a video of, of a race in South Park online from, I think, 85 with, with Jarrett Justice in there. Right. I think all three of those guys are in there. You got some, some strong dudes so, there. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, it was... And then um, the, a lot of the California guys were either – they were a little older or um, a little younger. So sometimes I had a little gap in there um, at that time back in the 80s where I didn't have any any dudes from California that were – sometimes they would come out to the bigger races and stuff. But um, you know, a lot of California guys weren't coming out doing it in 85. It got, of course, it got harder later on. But mm-hmm. um, And so the, the, the interesting thing about that is um, – Ended up going to the Grands and um, uh, ended up winning. The, I think I won the Grands, but I got the uh, the NBL number one plate that for my age group. I think it was seventeen. And it's um, still on the Torca bike. Yeah, it was on the Torca bike with the broken head tube. So <laughs> the, it was steel. So my dad got the head tube welded on. And um, Biggie always likes to talk about how loose my spokes were in my <laughs> on my bike. So that Torca probably from two years before. Um, the same bike. I probably had that bike for two years. I was probably riding that bike. You see, I never thought that about uh, even in the eighties, early eighties, an American guy winning a title. I, I, that sounds like a European story, yeah. doesn't it? You know, yeah. it's more of a. But I think, I think that's how it was, though. Even though, I mean, because when you're when you're in Europe and you're looking at the USA guys, you know, you're only seeing the factory guys, and right? The, you know, you're only seeing the Billy Griggses with yeah, the, with yeah. the new bikes and new yes. colors. And I mean, he always did such a great job with his bikes and his yeah, gear, and still, you know, yeah. and you don't, you know, you don't see the uh, the normal guys, I guess. And then, um, so that's kind of how it was. And um, you know, again, me and Big E were together that whole time, and he was really instrumental. And, and 
um, the clinics and we went on tour that he went on tour that year with Lenny as well. And, um, we went to the grands together that year. And, um, you just, now you'd still not gone out to California yet for a race. No, nope, not been to California yet for a race. Um, was that like for you guys then? Like, man, we need to go to California. Was it like the dream for you? Oh, not well, really. Well, it was the dream to probably go into California or race or be factory sponsored. But, um, you know, we were going on tour using clinic money for gas money. So it, yeah. it wasn't a really reality, even though it was a dream, it wasn't a reality. Got it. Um, but after I, after I won the, um, number one plate that year, the guy from Jolly Rancher, Ty Ballou, um, and probably through Lenny as well, um, wanted to continue a bigger program. So he ended up, um, calling up the guys from Murray and I guess Murray was ready to kind of revamp their program. So they, Murray and Jolly Rancher went together in 86 and started a pretty big program. So that was, that was a factory program. Um, What's on the team then? So you, that was, uh, it was me and Brad Birdwell. Just you two then was it? Okay. Just us two. And that was a, um, a really good funded um, team. Uh, you know, we started flying to the races, the rent a car thing, um, the equipment, all the equipment that we, that we really needed. Um, we flew to California and raced. We flew to the worlds and raced. So tell us about, because that's where you came onto our radar or mm -hmm. my radar, probably you're the same. You came out to Slough for the 86 World Championships. And I've spoke numerous times about this world uh, on podcast, but I think it's very, for the Europeans, it was a, a huge deal. I think we had 83 was the start of the worlds yeah. and everything. But mm -hmm. the next wave, which I, you know, was my kind of era, was you guys coming out that the, the 86 worlds in, in Slough, England. It was huge. And that was the first time we saw you and yeah. Brad Birdwell. So how did you guys even get to, did you know what the worlds was or was it? Um, not really. I mean, everything kind of changed for me that year with, with the Murray Jolly Rancher thing. And like I said, we were flying to races. We we flew out to California once or twice to race. Um, the uh, we flew to the worlds. You know, Birdwell goes, yeah, we're going to the worlds, and I really didn't know that much about it. Um, you know, I'd seen some of the worlds on TV. Probably had no idea you were racing though, were you? Um, well, I knew. I turned. I think I turned age group before that race. So I knew I was racing Townsend, which was about two feet taller than me right. at that time. Yeah. Seven, 17 and over. So yeah. It was huge one on the yeah. video. So yeah. I knew I was going to have to race him, and that was going to be gnarly because he was super, super strong, super big. He was winning a lot of races, and that's about it. But, yeah, um, I didn't really know um, know anybody else, to be honest. Um, you well, just what would you Americans. take? I mean, what, you so, a couple of thirds, right? A couple of thirds? I guess you're probably gonna have to look that up. Yeah, I yeah. Think maybe second, like second that. in cruiser behind the Beaver. Or did you be, no, Townsend doubled. I think he doubled. You yeah. and Beaver battled for second and third in both classes. I think anyway. Okay. So, what was your thoughts on racing the Euro guys, being at Slough? Um, yeah, no, it was really cool. It was neat. Um, English chicks? No, I don't think so. You weren't ready for you weren't in the game yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, not in the game yeah. yet. <laughs> so, um, no, it was cool because um, the, everyone was pretty nice to us. You know, the English people were really nice to us and. Um, you know, I did hang out with the, with the American guys and or the factory guys or whatever, but I got to cruise around a little bit and, um, I hung out with some, I think the shooters, I, I came across, okay, yes, I, come yeah, across yes, them yes, yes. I don't know, I ended up talking to them or, or vice versa something. And, yeah. you know, we probably sat down they probably made some tea and, yeah, and all that. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and so it's just people like that being super nice and, and I enjoyed it. And yeah, so I got to meet a lot of people and, um, and then, uh, I remember the Dutch team there. Who did you guys, what was the team? Oh, Amf. Yeah. What did you guys think of the team Amf? That was kind of the, the national was, team before a national yeah, team. Yeah, no, it was pretty you cool. Know? It was pretty cool. But all the Dutch guys looked really big and tall and, 
they were they looked really focused. I'm right. gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. they really, you know, and Bass, you know, Bass with his look. I think right. he probably had a mustache by then. Oh yeah, right? yeah, he's already had one then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. even have hair under my arms at yeah. that point. <laughs> and so, you know, you guys kind of looked a little Russian right. to me. You know, not not yeah, knowing a lot. Look of, at you, don't look at me. I'm English. Yeah. You know, everyone's full grown by that time too. So, right. but no, it was a good program. You know, it looked it looked neat, and so it was cool to go up there and see different side of BMX. Mm-hmm. For and, me, and obviously on top of that, you know the big article in uh, BMX Action, the the Zellwood, uh, the the church. Tell us a little bit about the whole. Yeah, it's yeah. iconic and still spoke about now. You know. Yeah, that was really cool. So, um, my mom did get remarried. Um, I don't know if it was. I think it was eighty three, and I moved to Zellwood, or Apopka was the town. And I was walking through the halls of school, and this this guy comes up to me and goes, Hey man, you're, you're uh, your TC or something. You, I saw you at the track. And so this was Tom Miller. And, um, so we started talking and he goes, Hey man, I got a, I got a practice track out in Zellwood. It's, it's pretty cool. Why don't you come check it out? And I'm like, Oh man, that sounds great. I need a place to ride. You know, I'm, I think he probably, we probably met, you know, one of the first couple of days I was in a new school and you know, that was really hard and mm-hmm. it's a big move. And, and so Tom comes up to me and starts talking to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I went over to the Zellwood place and his dad worked with the community center, Paul, to get um, clay. So they would haul in clay to this this community center and build jumps. And it was it was pretty bitching right off the start. And I was like, oh, it'd be cool if we got more dirt. We'd do this and that. So we started digging and working. His dad got more dirt. And Was John Paul around them? Uh, John Paul, I think at that point might not have been around. I think he might have moved down to um, uh, Cape Coral mm-hmm. um, to live with his mom or something. I'm not sure about that, but I got pictures of me and John Paul back probably in '83 or '84 at the races so together. You already knew him then, yeah. I knew him, yeah, because back before the Zoewood thing. Um, I don't know what year it was. It could have been back to 82. There was this other cool riding place called Knob Hill. Okay, never you, heard of that. Never, no, oh, it no. was it was big time. It was big time. So, And we used to go over there on Sunday and have the um, Knob Hill uh, championships. And they had a number one plate. <laughs> right. And we would race at Knob Hill with all the older guys. So um, John Paul was even younger than me, so he was even further out of the game. But even when I started going there – it was impossible for us to ever beat the, you know, the, the adults. Right. You know, we were probably 13 or so. Yeah. Um, so and that was where, um, like Brian McGuire and Lanthorn, you know, Greg Lanthorn. Yeah. Okay. Still racing. Yep, as well. Still yeah, racing. Yeah. So those were those guys were from. And when we got in Orlando, we, the, um, the Beelers did this open class for us. And so we got to race those guys at a young age, which I think really helped us all out. Sean Newberry. Like, races as well, right? yeah, yeah, like yeah, all yeah. of those guys were, were part of that Orlando. And I know I'm, I'm missing missing somebody. I mean, I'm missing a lot of people. But there was just – all those older guys were all really good guys, and they all always helped me and Sean and John Paul and all the, all the young guys. And getting, there, getting to race them, you know, they were fair to us. They would beat us down, but they were fair to us. So that was um, – racing all those guys back then was, was really cool. So um, that was a really neat place. So anyway, this uh, Zellwood was, was kind of like um, – you know, a practice track like, like Knob Hill was, which was back then you didn't have a lot of practice tracks or trails or whatever you want to call them. So to have that place in Zellwood was, was also another, another really, really neat place to have and be able to go ride. And I also met um, Rex Robertson there and he's a, still a really good, good buddy of mine as well. And, um, and how did BMX action get to go down there then? They were there for a oh, race or something? Yeah, great, or? great. Well, 
Tom kind of ran that Zellwood thing. His dad got the got the dirt, and he kind of and he kind of ran the whole thing. Well, he wrote Gork a letter. Oh, okay. Because Gork was doing these local scenes and BMX action. Yes. You remember that? Yes. Okay. So um, Tom told Gork he should come do the one on Zellwood, and um, and Gork called him back, and he says, "Yeah, we're gonna come. We're gonna come there for the national, and we're gonna come there the day after and, and do an article on it." And um, so. Um, I got in on that article. I got to be part of that article with with Rex and um, Tom. And um, actually, that I think that might have been one of the first times I met Gork, to be honest. So Tom writing that letter and getting Gork out there that gave, even though I was on Murray and and Gork had had heard of me on Murray and probably, um, you know, I think I I don't know if I met him in California before. The Zellwood deal or not, but the the Zellwood thing was a big deal for for me and Gork to kind of know each other and stuff. And yeah, you know, Gork really, I mean, he put me in magazines. He well, put, yeah, from there onwards, I've been looking at the last yeah since I know coming up here, I've been going through BMX actions, and man, you got a lot of coverage. Yeah, so he was really good to me with with putting me in magazines and hitting me up on stuff. I think I I was out there one time and I ended up going to a mongoose test with the Roops. So I got to meet those guys and chippers mm-hmm. and Roops and. Also, I I they I did some photos with Wendy at that time because I was there. So Gork was super cool, cool to me, and he also played a role in uh, our California movies too, which I'll talk to about a little bit later. But uh, even though sponsored by Murray, we still did summer tour. Me and Biggie got in his little Honda, and we drove to the races, and we stayed at the Martinos in Tennessee, where the Psychocraft all the Psychocraft guys were at. We rode their tracks, so we still did summer tour. We didn't do as many clinics that year, but we still kind of continued with that. Yeah, yeah. Move, then moving into to, to 87, you know, again, another, you know, I don't know where it is, iconic race, but a race that we got to saw anyway was mm-hmm. the Irvine World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, like, the, like the worlds that we're talking about as well in this year. Um, you won the Irvine World Cup, which is actually just a stone throw away, right? You were just telling me. Yeah. From where you live now, where, yeah. where they where did that. So maybe tell us a little bit about doing that, sponsored by Vision. Was you on Vision as well? Uh, I think I might have been... Um, getting vision shoes at that time. I right. try to use the word sponsor really loosely. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so um, I was getting shoes from, I think Everett was there at that point, or Miranda. Right. Anyway, just, the, you know, just friends through BMX yeah. um, was giving out shoes. You know, there was no salary. I was not sponsored by, you know, like the like the big guys were. But so, yeah, the World, World Cup, I think it was in the middle of the summer or so. And uh, we flew out here. Uh, Birdwell, I don't think, I think we might have been getting out of it then. I think Shelby was with me maybe that year. Yeah, so obviously Shelby James joined the team. Shelby then, James so joined the you team. You obviously already knew him from, from Florida, right? Yeah, we kind of grew up racing together. And we would actually ride with them. Um, in their van to the races um, back in the earlier 80s. Instead of us driving and doing all that, we would ride with those guys because they were going to the races too. So that would help all of us get to the races. So I went to a lot of races. I used to sit, his little brother, uh, Bobby James, I used to sit in the back and read books to him as we were going. He was really <laughs> small. He was super small. You come up to my house and read some books to my daughter if you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, we would, that was what we would do. You know, there was no iPhones or headphones right. around the back of the day. Yeah, reading, yeah. reading books with the kids. <laughs> so yeah, the, the World Cup was, uh, um, I think it was a Vision World Cup. Yeah. It was a um, big race and... Um, had you raced a lot of the guys already by then, or not? Still, few um, guys a little bit. We started racing a little bit more. Um, Tanette was on GT. He was coming out. Terry Tanette was coming out. Darwin East racing Griffin. a little bit more. Griffin was there. Um, 
Oh, who else was there? I can't. Um, that main is locked anyway. It's like, like loaded with. Yeah, that was that was probably um, Cecil Johns was in Cecil, that. Cecil, yeah, yeah, it, Cecil was in there. So, a- and um, yeah, it was really it was a it was a good race. You know, Tanet always had a lot to say. Um, so was he talking crap to you he guys was, back then? He, he was talking. He was talking back then. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you get him and Cecil together. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, they're just feeling each other up. Right. But, you know, Tanet was always – he was always fair. He was always a good racer. Um, yeah. You know, he was a good dude. I, I've enjoyed racing him, you know, the whole time. And um, But, yeah, he, he'd had a good time talking. And, and um, he was on G, like GT. He was on GT. Guy, then, one, two, yeah. He was on GT and he was winning and – you know, he was, G was winning a lot and, you know, Cecil was winning his races and yeah, so it was pretty packed. It was a pretty packed deal and it was in California. It wasn't, you know, back East, which I was used to. So it was a whole different world for me. And, um, you know, he was telling me that nobody from the East coast is going to win. <laughs> I can just imagine <laughs> you, saying you can, that two years off. You know, Tanet, so you can imagine yeah, what he's yeah. saying, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was hilarious. Those things those guys were saying, I never even heard before. So it was great. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I, I kept it together enough to, to get around the track. And, uh, I think I was in his motos, I think, or in a couple of his qualifiers and he, he killed me, um, in the motos and the qualifiers, I think. Um, I kind of sneaked up on him a little bit in the last turn. He, he would always rail the turns and kind of look back. And, and um, I think at one point I kind of swerved across the track to make him think I was going to come inside of him. And he when I swerved, he, he flinched and he, he crashed. The oh, last he did? Yeah. So we talk about that every now and then when right. I see him. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of did him dirty. But um, anyway, but yeah, I don't um, – I don't remember the main. Uh, I think it's on. It's on. Yeah, YouTube. no, it's on the video. You won that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I ended up winning that, yeah. and um, which was which was neat. That was a good race to win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then obviously going on to the eighty-seven Worlds, which were obviously your home track, Orlando Worlds. By then, you'd obviously raced the Worlds years before. Yep. So was you like, okay, I'm ready for this, and I want to win it, or was like, you know, a lot of people I've spoke about in the podcast didn't really, still didn't really understand what it was. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, no, I knew what it was. It was coming to my home track, so it was a big deal. I went to the Worlds the year before. Um, so I figured it was my home track, and yeah, I um, you know had a good opportunity to win that race as well. But um, it didn't work out. I was, um, Carter won the... You expert. was winning, though. You whole shot at the main. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was a little bit in front in the main, and um, you know I've been around that turn a thousand times, but uh, only once with Carter. And um, he he uh, we kind of went around there together, and uh, I think we come we came in contact a little bit, yeah, enough for me bit. to get just a little bit off balanced, yeah. And he got a couple pedals on me, and um, that was it. After that, he was gone. So uh, that was a good a good was race. You, was you bombed on second or? Was... Um, yeah, of course you you want you want to win, and I felt like I had the opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was bummed that I got second, but uh, it's, you know, wasn't the end of the day. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I. I Murray was sponsoring that event. Um, it was just a busy week. I had a lot going on. I, I had that TV camera thing on my head. Oh, that's yeah. on the video. Yeah, that's yes. on the video. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. pre-GoPro. Yeah, pre-GoPro. <laughs> yeah. So I was doing that between the races. Right. You know, that was a, even the one you talking about it, that was coming back to me now. That, that we used to because we watched that video over yeah. that we can, you know, know, some of my English friends will start doing that in their head now. Yeah. While you were saying, okay, down the last yeah. straight, you know, all the all the stuff you were saying. Yeah, and you know, it's it's. Where he was sponsoring that 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 race, but then it was um, Scott Bryhop and Lenny Batiki were doing the announcing and organizing, and you know they kind of they kind of got together and got me on there, and you know Bryhop kind of walked me through what to say and and what to do, and mm-hmm. um, you know helped me get that thing out. So that was a that was a little bit of production to do. I don't remember when we did. I don't know if we did it the first day or second day, but that was a little bit of production to do, and um, 
But it was cool. It was cool. That was a great it. show. I mean, yeah. the, the, the combo of those two guys announcing yeah. and all the American factory guys, the blue skies, you know, the clay. Did yeah. you go to Orlando York? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there was seven Americans in that main that you won. And Daniel mm-hmm. Rojas, I don't know if you remember that, but mm-hmm. one Chilean guy, seven Americans. Um, yeah, and then obviously on top of everybody, you know, obviously the wild man and everybody else so i think definitely one of the worlds that will go down yeah one of the best ever you know yeah i nope. wasn't there but i feel like just watching that video i felt like i was there you know yeah no it was a good event it was a good event uh you won a car that year as well i remember reading yeah. that in bmx action i just read that again when i was flipping through all these uh issues with you in how, how did you win yeah. a car well i had a um when i got my driver's license when i was 16 i got my dad's old uh, vw bug a 68 and so i was driving that around and, and i would carry my bike with me all the time it would break down and i would just get out and ride my bike so anyway it broke down all the time and i ended up riding my bike so i had a girlfriend in 87 and, she, and we walked into this albertson's and she goes wow maybe you should sign up for that car right there since your car breaks down all the time <laughs> i'm like i'm like yeah that's funny i'm gonna win a car right so um she picks up a, a stack of these um these entry fees and then um she starts filling them out filling them out she still filled out a whole bunch of them and she put him she put him in i don't know if we were together when she put him in or if she went down there and put him in by herself or something but anyway right. i might have filled out a couple but um then after, and then when I called home to tell my dad about the um, the World Cup win, he goes, "Yeah, I got some call, um, deep call about some, from somebody. The guy said you want a car or something." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, is this? Maybe that was a um, just a junk call or something. Right. I don't know." And then um, either I thought about it or I called him back. I'm like, "Hold on, I think or let me check on that." So anyway, um, sure enough, I won a car. So I went home and I had to pay the taxes on that. It was like $200 or something like that. So I had a brand new car, which was super good. And you used that for a long time, right? I used that until I wouldn't pass smog in California. Right. <laughs> and then I, I let so it you sit drove out. it out literally then, yeah. Yep. And I let it sit out in front of the house for another six months. Right. You know, worried about, <laughs> worried about it. <laughs> it, um, Oh. You know, wishing I could do it. So anyway, well, at 87, I, I think I won the uh, Cruiser title that year in the NBL. NBL. I'm not sure. I think I did. Um, and again, Biggie and me went on summer tour. And then um, the whole, the, in 88, ready to move to 88? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, 88, we moved to, um, the Murray thing came to an end. What, what was the end of Murray then? Why did it end? Uh, I just, we didn't want to continue the program. That was it. Just, did the, com- the company ca- Go under I think, well, no, or, I think or, the company carried on. They made lawnmowers and right. uh, they probably still made bikes. And, um, you know, the Jolly Rancher thing was, it was a two year thing and, um, they just didn't want to renew after that. So they just focused on something else, which was fine. Um, and then, uh, me and Big E, uh, I think, well, I think it was through racing in California and, and hanging out with the, the guys in California with, um, you we- know, Pavlovsky and Carter and Billy and all those guys, you know. And coming out here and racing, you know, it was like, man, I want to come to California more. I want to come, you know. And then, so Pavlovsky's um, and his parents were super, super cool. And they're probably this the reason that I moved to California was because of the Pavlovsky's. They, they said I could live with them. Um, I could move to California and live with the Pavlovsky's. Oh wow, that's yeah. Cool. And Glenn says, yeah, I can, I can build. We can build a bunk bed because there was only one room. <laughs> right. And so me and him uh, built a bunk bed, and I slept on top. He slept on the bottom. We did that for a year, and that's the reason. That was what helped me move to California. Uh-huh. Um, Big E was living with me at the time in Orlando, and Big E's like, well, what, what am I going to do? And I'm like, well, you're coming with me. He goes, ah, 
I don't think I got enough money to make it out there for gas or something. I'm nowhere to stay. I don't have a job or anything. So I called Gork and Gork let Big E stay on his couch. And that was with Gork and Spike and Lou and all oh those guys God. were up there. So, yeah. and so I'm like, cool. Well, you're coming with me, Big E. And, um, he goes, oh, I think he said, yeah, I don't think I got enough money or something like that. And we talked last night on the phone. I was trying to get my story straight. And I think he made it to, to Phoenix and he ran out of money. So I think I gave, I gave him some money. And uh, last night on the phone, I think he, he told me he thinks he didn't pay me back that money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm glad we, I'm glad yes. this podcast came yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, making you money. Yeah, yeah I'm making some money. So anyway, and then Gork, Gork got Big E a job like a week later at SBS with um, – Potts and um, Seppi Mays worked okay, there, and uh, Street Pete Augustin worked there for a second, and um, so Biggie got. So put, SPS was in California. Then it was in Carson. Okay, I didn't yep, know that, yeah. up by Torrance because that's where those guys live. Right. So, man, um, you know, through that relationship with Gork from from Tom writing that letter, you know, Gork um, put my buddy up on the couch, and him and Biggie became great friends, and. Um, Got him a job and all that. I mean, you the know? people he living with. I mean, now. I mean, that yeah. that crew. Yeah. Oh no, my gosh. Yeah. No. So you know, Gork really yeah. took Biggie in and 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 helped him out, and it was great. And, and the same with the Pavlosis. They really, um, you know, like I said, we wouldn't have come out here if it wasn't for them. I saw Glenn a couple a couple months ago at the pump track. Yeah. He, yeah. He's down there, and he's uh, uh, my friend Paul Roberts, who listened to this. He sees him all the time because he's a firefighter yep. in Huntington. Yep. Paul says he rides by all the time. So yeah, yeah. I get to ride with uh, Glenn at the um, Eric Carter Kernville events it's always a good right it's always good we end up going up going uphill together talking going slow and talking right so um and uh but yeah it was the pavlovsky's really they're really um both of them were really key and um was you one sponsored now then after or did you go straight to cyclecraft right was next um after um our Murray bikes were made by Cyclecraft, and we stayed at the Martinos. Um, oh, okay. And so that was a natural, uh, natural thing. I asked uh, Joe for um, Joe Martino for a sponsorship, which I I'm going to define that. Probably might have been some entry fees in a frame and fork in a cruiser frame and fork, or I might have used my Murray frame and fork from uh, the cruiser. But anyway, he helped out with what he could do, and. Um, Man, they were the Martinos were great people, and we Are they like, still me and, alive. Uh, Betty passed away, but Joe's still alive. Ah, okay, cool. yeah, yeah. So, and they're still in Kingsport, Tennessee. So he did what he could do for me, and um, and he was just a great guy. And I figured I was just going to ride with the, for those guys forever. But when I was at my dad's house in uh, Florida for the um, the spring break <laughs> race, <Right. laughs> um, this guy Huffman called me up. He actually called the Pavlovskis and. Um, maybe Karen or Tom, maybe gave him my phone number and they call my dad's house. So, you know, pre cell phone. Right. So we, uh, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this Auburn team and I'm going to do this and this and this. And, you know, I just thought he was some slick California dude, you know, right. giving me the sales pitch. Right. You know? So I'm like, Oh, I'm not interested, man. I'm, I'm staying with Joe Martino and psycho crap. And you was already double A right now. Yeah. I turned double A by right. then. So, you know, I, I got him off the phone and he said, but he said, uh, Huffman said, Hey, um, well, when you come back, just come out, come out and visit me. Let me show you the shop and stuff like that. And and um, so when I came out, um, you know, I probably wasn't going to do it, but the Pavlovskis probably talked me into at least going down there and seeing him and stuff and visiting. And so I went down there and um, you know, face to face, and I got to see the shop and and hang out down there. And the whole thing turned for me, man. Um, you know, Huffman had these great ideas about about 
the team and about the uniforms and you know the bike was kind of unique um did you have any like would you like word about the bike at the time or um at that point um of my career i wasn't worried about the bike i think a sponsor having a sponsor was probably yeah pretty and the ideas that he had and what he wanted to do and and um you know he was an old racer he raced for uh um se yeah and then he moved from northern california down here and worked with bry hop on all those guys in the heyday so like he was in that heyday of the se thing this is crazy i mean i know a lot of this stuff but i think a lot of people are going to enjoy this yeah so the names you're bringing out and how it started for a lot of these people yeah so he went through that whole thing with with the big boom with se and um you know the later years of se and um he started his own company and the actually the auburn frame deal that was actually him and uh, Bob Morales had created that and pitched it to Honda. They knew someone at Honda that might have wanted to get interested or they were interested in doing a BMX bike or something. And they were probably so young as well, weren't they? You know, um, yeah, they were, yeah, they were pretty young. So they pitched, um, they pitched that idea to Honda and I think they got some prototypes made and it was moving along. And then, um, you know, someone at Honda said that we didn't want to do it, but they had moved along so far with everything that like, Hey, we're just gonna do it ourselves. Wow. Yeah. So, and, um, you know, Bob Morales is, um, I can't even name everything that he's done. He was Huffman's partner at first. I mean, he started the AFA, I think. He started Dino mm -hmm. before they bought Dino. And, um, I mean, he has probably started and sold and made 10, 15 companies successful. Wow. You know, AVS. So I, I can't even name all the companies that he started. And so um, after meeting, the, meeting uh, Huffman and talking about that, um, I decided to, to go and ride for Auburn and a pretty hard call to call Joe and tell him I wasn't riding for him after everything he's done for us. But was he bummed? me and Biggie. Yeah, but he felt like it was going to be a good opportunity too. Yeah, and he didn't want to hold me back. Right. So, and it sounded like a good opportunity. And when I talked to Joe about it, it's, it sounded like a good opportunity as well. So that's kind of how it left, you know? And I mean, so that's how that ended up. And me and uh, Biggie and Danny Millie went on summer tour that so just year. Just you three guys. Yeah, I, Nigel Von Trotha was involved. I don't know if he was involved in '88 or not. If it was '89, right? So that's kind of how '88 went for me. And how was it? You like you'd like living in California, and you was just in you know yep. mix heaven. Yeah, everything magazines. worked. Everything worked out good. Um, later in '88, um, uh, Tom and Karen Pavlovsky brought me and Glenn into the family room to talk and it, we were thinking, Oh no, something's yeah, something. Yeah. There's been, you know, right, someone's yeah. sick or something. It was right. like, Oh no. And they told us, they sat us down. I mean, the Pavlovsky treated me like a son, to be honest, you know, they were really, really good to me. And, um, they told us that they're moving, they're going to sell the house in Irvine and move. And we're like, Oh, well, thank God. It wasn't something more right. <laughs> worse than that. You know? So, um, that's kind of, that kind of changed the vibe a little bit. Um, moving out to Temecula and um, I've been riding with Blazer a little bit and, and um, riding with Greg Hill a little bit and so Greg just moved to Moreno Valley which is out by Riverside so I ended up instead of moving to Temecula I ended up moving to Moreno Valley um, and living near uh, Greg Hill um, Blazer was was about that time he was ready to to move away from where he was living down in Orange. So and we ended up Blazer was on probably yeah, Elf, right? Yep, so he was like, on Elf. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up moving in together in Reno Valley. Um, I actually bought a house out there. Um, Greg Hill's wife helped me out with that house, and in I was just going to go. Yeah, I was just going to pay rent. I had no idea, but um, you know, she was into real estate, and she How was much in the finance. Eighty nine up there. I think that house was a little over a hundred thousand, a hundred, wow. hundred and three, yeah. or a hundred and six, or something. 
Yeah, so, and then Blazer was living with me, and um, I don't know when, after Blazer, I don't know who was a third roommate, but the third roommate, it revolved over and over again. Biggie lived there, uh, Robbie Morales ended up living there, Minozzi ended up living there, anytime anyone came over from Europe, I ended up having some European friends at that time. Um, I don't know how many people went through that house, but a lot of people lived there. Greg Hill lived there a little bit. So, um, how was the scene then? You guys had a track up there, right? We had some jumps up there. And so it was really good. You know, Greg always been good about training and, you know, he's intense and about doing his stuff. And so I learned a lot from him and blazer was, was fast at that time too. So I got to learn a lot from blazer and Mm -hmm. it was just a good, when you just raced and rode and, and went to the airport on Friday. That was a really good place to live. Yeah. yeah. And how was you doing that in, in AA? I mean, how was you? I think, um, I don't know if it was 89 or 90, but my best, I think I won a national. I got some top threes. I think I won a couple nationals. Yeah. Um, my best, I think, was uh, NBL number three. I think Ellis won that year. I think Greg Hill got second. I got number three. I'm not sure he got fourth, four and five. But that's probably my best uh, pro number is number three. And you started coming to Europe a little bit more, traveling a little so, bit more. Now we, we hooked up in, in Holland when you guys all came over. Yeah. Sweden. Um, you know, I raced and did the ABA and NBL thing. And, and you know, you got to be at all the races for all the points. But I really enjoyed um, – I got invited to come to France for the race, uh, the Bercy races yeah, in 88 yeah. and 89. And um, I, I really enjoyed that. I went I went to those races. And it was really cool because, you know, Hoffman, the freestyle guys, got to come. And mm-hmm. so we had race guys. We had freestyle guys. And um, I think that first race in Bercy was when Hoffman did that backflip on the ramp. Right. It was on the front of uh, – Go. Go. Yeah. yeah. And um, so being there and seeing that, and it was just really neat. And then – um, I did, uh, I think, I think, was it, uh, Garrett might've put something together. We went to Sweden for Sweden. Yeah. In Sweden and then Slag on the week. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we got to do that. It was really, really neat. And, um, I was Sweden. That must've been a whole different world for you guys, right? Yeah, it was, it was, um, I don't, for some reason, I think that we were there by ourselves a couple of nights, which is probably a mistake. I, I was at that race, but I didn't know you guys then. I was like the A pro that was didn't want to, you know, I was like, oh. you know, wild man invited me over to a party and stuff for you guys. I'm like, I'm not ready for that, any of that. I don't, I don't feel privileged. I don't feel yeah, double A yet. That was probably a yeah. smart thing to do. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but then obviously you guys came over to Slagar, and then we got to know you guys during that period with all our English friends, Tom Lynch and Carl Orford. I think yep. you already, you already yep. knew Carl, didn't you? Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't know if he came over to visit before that. He came over before, yeah, with Tim O'Shea and a few of the, to hang out with them guys. Yeah. And like I said, man, I don't know, um, being over there or something or, or back then, man, I think you could just call up or you could, you could meet someone and say, Hey, hey, I'm going to come over. Can we come over and ride with you? And I think like the answer was always yes. And then then he would just show up. Yeah. Yeah. and so, like, even if you didn't know someone, if you were a BMXer or something, mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, and you could come stay and show up and ride. That's kind of how it yeah, was. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it I think was, it went both ways because we did the same with a lot of you guys. We wrote you guys letters and Wildman and Bill Grad and all, mm-hmm. you know, all the people we know. And, and the same thing, you guys started coming to Europe. It was yeah. cool as well, yeah. you know. So we was already, you know, getting to know you guys yeah. pretty early on. At that Holland race, somehow I ended up at the UK house. Right. Okay. And so I would have the tea with you guys. Right, and you guys yeah. Had the so the European guys were the bed early. English guys still wanted to hang out and so, talk yeah. BMX with the American pros. So I and think then, I spent a lot of time over there right? And um, with you guys. So I think that's how we kind of probably got to know you guys. And, and, yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, that was good. I went to New Zealand and Australia those next couple years. So that was, it was really cool to travel around. And I, and like I said, I had a lot of people come stay at the house in Rio Valley and it was really cool. I, we're next door neighbors were, um, they had four kids, um, uh, Kelly and Lizzie and, um, man, they would cook dinner for, for us and they would meet all the guys from, you know, different countries and they would really, they really enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing everybody. And, you know, they had young kids and some of the kids were in junior high and stuff. And it was really, um, you know, to have all that traffic at that house next door in the, and to have a you know normal family next to us was really weird, but, uh, man, they really embraced it and they took care of us and took care of the yard when I was gone. They were just good people. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was, was Auburn. When did it get bought by GT then? Was it still, I, still, still not GT yet then, right? I think 89 or 90, um, GT bought, um, Auburn. I think, I think they bought Auburn. The deal was, is, um, Richard Long wanted, uh, Todd Huffman to come work for him. And so that's, that's what, that's what the deal was. So Huffman went to work for, um, GT. And I think he might've been the first marketing manager. Maybe. I think the guy before him was more of a creative guy, but, um, so Huffman was a, a marketing manager, marketing director at GT. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when I got kind of sucked into the GT program. And that's when I was in the car, you know, we would go to the race and Bill was the team manager and Bill Nelson. And I was with Gary and Charles and, you know, Jay Rich was on Auburn as well, right? But later, later he was, um, I think 91 was when he was first. It was, it was Robbie Morales, um, was on Auburn with, uh, me and Biggie on summer tour. I think it was 89 or so 90, maybe. And uh, Robbie actually, at, right after high school, Robbie moved out to um, Reno Valley and lived with me. So I think he was 18. And there are some hilarious stories about him, you know, coming from his mom and dad's house and right. living with us. And We came to visit you then. And I think that's, I think, uh, I always joke with him, uh, McGrath had stole his girlfriend or something right at the club or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's another, right. another part of the Reno Valley house. Um, right. Like, um, Carter would come over and I mean, he would stay four days in a row. We would, <laughs> we would ride our bikes. We would go out to go out at night. Was and, it the Metro? Metro? Yeah, it was yeah, Metro. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he was friends with the motocross guys. So some of those guys would, would end up meeting us and, uh, McGrath stayed over a couple of times before right. he was, um, you know, big time motocross guy. And, uh, I mean, to the guys that went through that house. Right. So yeah, me and Robbie would, would have some big arguments about it, <laughs> taking out the trash. He was 18 right. and yeah, it was yeah. hilarious, but it's funny when we see each other now, he brings it up. He goes, oh, man, I appreciate that. <laughs> and for guys that anybody's listening to that, Robbie Morales now is a cult, so with the, along with Neil Wood. So mm-hmm. it just shows another guy that's, yeah, you know, yeah. another guy within you guys that went yeah. on to great things, you know? Yeah, he. Um, I think he was um, He was with S&M and worked with Chris to do the fit thing. And yeah. he did that for a while. T1 before that, I think. Okay, know? yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then um, did the, um, the cult deal and... Um, yeah, so man, he's still in BMX, which is which is really cool. Yeah. So he's a good dude. He's a good dude. His parents, um, we stayed at his house, and his parents were, you know, super good to us all the time. We stayed there for a long time. So his mom would throw a spoon. We would, we would, uh, Robbie would be dancing, um, watching Yo MTV rap, and his mom, <laughs> and his mom would ask him to do something. He was dancing, and all of a sudden she would throw a wooden spoon out and hit him. And I was like, I've never yeah. seen that before. Right. Wooden spoons uh, getting thrown into the, the family room. Right. I was like, man, these New Yorkers are crazy. <laughs> so, so move us a little bit more into GT then, you know, to integrate into that, and then you're racing, and you kind of wind down your career pretty early, really, compared yeah, to yeah. people your age. Well, um, after the Robbie thing, then like you said, Jay Rich was part of the um, the Auburn family as well, and he um, 
I just met him and, and he, and he was a good dude and, and pretty fast getting faster. So we picked him up and, um, me and him went on summer tour a couple of years. And I tell the funny story about him. I picked him up at his, at his parents, at his parents' house in Vegas. And, you know, got to, I might've met his, his dad before that. Cause uh, Lou came to the races and, but, um, kind of met him and that's it. You know, I was taking their, their 16 year old or 15 year old kid out for two months on the road. And, you know, it, that's kind of how it was back then though. You know, it sounds really weird to do that right now, but that's how it was. And, um, so I picked him up and, um, we were loading all the junk in the van and I picked up his van's box with his cassettes in there. I'm like, Oh man, let's see what we got here. And I open it. And he had all these new wave and right. OMD and all these cassettes. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to get along just fine. What music do you like? So, the 80s? I like music? that stuff too. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, um, you I got, right, you'd like techno, didn't you? I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And the new wave stuff, yeah. uh, Lenny Batiki again, introduced me to that stuff. He, he had MTV. So we, I'd watch MTV at his house. We right. didn't, I didn't have MTV for a long time. So he would show me all the, the Duran Duran videos. Oh, on MTV. Yeah. Like, oh man, that's been so good cool. Buddies back then. Yeah. So, yeah. So he had all these cool new wave tapes. He had tons of tapes. He had like a high top box full. So, right. Yeah, it, was, it was great. So we, me and Jay Rich got along great. It was right. a good, good time. We had a, we had fun on tour. And then uh, I think the next two years, 82, 83 ish or so, um, Big E was doing the, he worked for GT and he was doing the summer tours in the yellow submarine. So I went on tour with those guys. Um, we did not do our own Auburn tour. So I think 82, 83, I was with the GT guys. 92, 93. Yeah, 82, yeah. Yeah. I think I was with those guys. And um, and that was like Justin Green, Gary Ellis, David Milham, people like that were the GTT. Yeah, um, Townsend was there. Um, Hill on Robinson. Hill Romero. Yeah, it was it was all those guys. And and same thing, you know, we would do uh, tours and we would do clinics. And um, you know, those guys were were racing for number one plates during the during the week, but um, during the or during the weekends. But during the week, we would do clinics and. You know, everyone was, it was, it was work, you know, to do yeah, those clinics yeah. and stuff. And we all did clinics and we taught kids. And I mean, some of those GT tours, I mean, we would have a hundred kids show up or even more to do right. clinics. It was, it was big. I mean, you guys, I've got, I'll put, I'll, I'll put some of this footage with, with this, uh, with this podcast, but I've got one of the GT tapes when this is before I was here, when you guys are doing summer tour in Florida mm -hmm. with, and you guys completely got a whole segment to that of you guys yeah. doing the doing the summer tour you know videos you know yeah so. it, it was cool man i really like i got that from lenny and i really enjoyed this this the tours and i really enjoyed the clinics and it was cool to have the, to teach kids and to, to be involved with kids because when you go to the track the first time man you don't know Nothing. how to read the moto sheet no. you don't know what to do you got you're just watching what other guys are doing and trying it you have no even idea. now i still think now i think a lot of tracks you know you should should be allocated one guy for when the newbies come through like mm -hmm. hey this is that's the sign up tower this is how you get on the gate let me help you know they should be that yeah which i know a lot of tracks do but a lot of tracks don't you know it's yeah very intimidating yeah. you know so you know to have the the you know the factory robinson and auburn and gt guys there and telling you hey you can jump that double or if they knew you or if they even didn't even know you, even if their parents just brought them to the track for the first time, you know, having a, a bigger rider help you and teach you how to do a jump is, mm -hmm. is key. So I've always enjoyed it. I thought it was a good thing to do. And, and we've, you know, we carried that on too. And um, so 94, I had a, a crash in Texas and broke my leg pretty bad. And um, I was going to start, I was going to race after that, but the time that I spent uh, rehabbing and, and um just it was pretty busy i was been, you know when i moved to california everything was pretty busy a lot of travel a lot of racing and it i might have turned more into a job a little bit at some point but i still loved it i still enjoyed it but i had the opportunity uh, when i crashed to not race and to work at gt and to finish school and i'd want to do some hiking and some mountaineering and stuff as well so 
I just felt like that was a good opportunity to, to, to do something else to kind of. So what were you been about? 25, 24, 24, 25, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Early really then. Yeah. Yeah. So, but which was fine. Um, I did, went to school. I, um, I did some mountaineering. I did some local stuff and some stuff on Mount Whitney. I think, uh, Alaska. I did McKinley, and I forgot that one year I did Argentina. Yeah, and uh, mm. Yorgi was the team manager at Ohio oh, at really? the Christmas yeah. Classic because I was in Argentina climbing. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Can't remember. I think you said a couple races. In I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember being in Argentina on right. a phone booth going right. over the team sheet with yeah, Yorgi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had to get it right, man. And he was racing as well. One yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He yeah flew in from Holland probably the day before. Right. Had to do the team sheet. Had to I'm keep track guy. of the pro guys, which were probably act, trying oh to act God, up yeah. on him. And then he had to, he had to race and win his cruiser class and his class, right? Because he filled the team sheet out, so he knew he knew who was on the sheet. Battle with uh, battle with Barry, right? Yeah, Barry, Barry, yeah, yeah. through the ABA, with Barry, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you guys Florida so, guys from. Uh, you guys had some battles, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So eighty two, eighty three. I kind of did. Um, I as I was going to school, I kind of did GT summer tour. So I. Me and my dog went out on summer tour and we did the GT motion theater and did clinics and did the tour. And I had pros come out, you know, Gary and those guys would come out and um, we would do our tours. And that's where we make, met Frank Fuschberger, the guy you met at the Hall of Fame. Do you remember Frank? No. Yeah, it was probably before your time. He would invite us to um, Milwaukee to do a uh, – he was probably one of our biggest Auburn dealers and we met him. And his family cooked, cooked brats for us and we went to Summerfest and we went to the Milwaukee's game. He was just really good. Right. His family's really good to us. And so word got out and then Gary wanted to go because he wanted to do the Harley factory tour, which was in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And at, by a couple of years later, man, all the pros wanted to go to Milwaukee. All the pros wanted to be there. It was, right. it was like everyone wanted to go on that week of the tour. And uh, we went to Frank's the whole time. I mean, every, every year we would go by Frank's. Okay, 95 and 96, I was doing, I was going to school, trying to finish up school, and I was doing, uh, Huffman talked me into doing summer tour and clinics. I think I talked about that before. What was Huff's title? Huff was director of marketing, I think was his title. But anyway, he kind of oversaw the whole marketing uh, deal at GT. And when he started, it was, man, it was him in the 1990s. Well, when he started, it was him and some art guys and uh, he hired Brenda Barnsdale to help him out, and then it just grew and grew and grew. And, um, you know, at the – I don't know how many people were in the department. It could have been 15 people in the department at some point. So and, he was there when we've all heard the stories where Rich Long, um, you know, he kept the magazines alive. He started plowing money back in. Huff yep. was part of that plan then, was he, of getting, bringing yep. BMX back? Because obviously late ni- – early 90s, it was kind of dying off, and – this they they had a plan and obviously is, mm-hmm. so yeah tell us more about because I'm interested in more of that yeah I don't know the whole story but he was yeah he was there from ninety to I forgot when he maybe ninety seven or so he might have left um, but he was involved in the whole thing you know the whole start of it all and you know when BMX was up when it was down um, the BMX needed TV so they did the TV thing you know that crank TV yeah yeah. So, yeah. You know, that was kind of funded by GT. So GT was getting getting BMX on TV, which was helping GT, helping the sport. Of course, it was helping GT as well. But um, And then the clinic thing and all the pros. I mean, we always had pro riders. We always had full teams. You know, so just... was like the let's say I I I I, I came into the the U.S. part of GT in the end of '96 after Brighton after the Worlds. That's when I came over here with mm-hmm. 
John Holcomb was our guy at the time. He was the the boss of GT Europe, and um, John had just been transferred back from Europe to the offices in the U.S. And mm-hmm. that's where, you know, he came in and he really, you know, he um, um, batted for for me and for Europe, and and that's where we started, you know, working with you. Mm-hmm. What was your um, thoughts on you know John Holcomb yeah. and, and coming over? And- um, let me back up from Holcomb really quick here, okay. though. Um, late in '86, or no, early in '86. Uh, Bill Nelson didn't want to do the team no more. So Huffman always believed in me, always, uh, you know, trusted me and, and, you know, always looked out for me. So he says, oh, TC can do the team. You know, he already knows those guys. He's, he's, and Bill had already done it from the 80s, right? Bill did it forever, yeah. So um, I think they had the, the conversation with uh, Rich Long and, and all the rest of the guys, and it was a, it, everyone agreed on it. So um, Richard passed away summer of uh, – of 86 and I think later on 96 96 yeah. and then later that year I started uh, taking over the team so that's where we come into the the Holcomb right you know, yeah, when Holcomb yeah. came back to um, to the states and yeah Holcomb always you know he was you know we're in America doing our thing and we're, we're always thinking about our our deal and our sales and everything and he was able to let us know what was going on in Europe and he was you know well everyone loved him at GT trusted you know, everyone knew him forever um, in the industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was like our connection to Europe and, um, you know, really helped us, you know, know what's going on over there. And at that time when the mountain bike team started started to get bigger and bigger, you know, there was European talent on the on the mountain bike team from early Nicholas, in the day. Yeah. So, and and when I started doing the, um, the team managing in, in 86 and, um, I said 86 again, 96 <laughs> and 97, you know, I I wanted to, you know, the kind of approach I had was to, um, you know, build the best best team and have the best kids, you know, the, the fastest and the nicest kids I wanted on the team. And, and also with the pros, and I wanted the best team. And it didn't have to be all Americans either, you know. And I think that's, would you say you got plugged in in 96? Uh, End of 96, yeah, okay. yeah. And I think you just won the Worlds that year? I'd won the okay. Worlds, yeah. I was already on the European team, but obviously that's where it kind of turned into yeah, a, a real deal, you know. So you probably got a free ticket to the U.S. from wearing that world, huh? Well, I'll tell you that. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you that. I said this story before. So I'd already come and done a couple of races, and that's where I'd met. You know, you guys. Obviously, I knew you, but I'd started staying with Thunder a little bit. So during these few little trips to the states, Thunder would tell me, you know, about the money and what them guys were making, and you know, the <laughs> the double A pro stuff and that. So anyway, I won the worlds in '96, still on the Euro team. You know, it's ten thousand dollars go race for the year. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Thunder had also told me if American pros get 20 grand for winning the Worlds. And then after <laughs> I won the Worlds, I was scheduled to come to the U.S. And I got a message from whoever it was, I think it was from, from John Holcomb, like, hey, you need to come down, everybody. There's something big going to happen for you. We've got a presentation for you. And I remember saying, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting 20G was 100G for me then, <laughs> you know. So I'm like, like a million. I'm like, I'm a high five. I'm riding down on my bike down, you know, down, down the beach path to GT. And I'm like, I'm getting 20 grand, man. Thunder's already told me I know. So anyway, I went in. We did the handshake. And everyone says, congrats, Dale. You won the Worlds. And here's an envelope for you. And I remember going outside and like... Ripped it open and I looked at it. It was it was a thousand dollars, which was still huge yeah. for me at yeah. the time. But anyway, the the funny thing I was expecting twenty grand, but it was a, my little fun story on yeah. on, on that. You well, know, I like to share. You know, well, Holcomb probably had the fight for that for that thousand dollars. Right? Yeah, that was Euro budget. You know. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, but you was already doing like then. Obviously, that's we met. But was you like doing Ellis's contract and Townsend, Nelson, Romero? You know, obviously. So. Um, I don't know if I was doing their contracts from from the, the get go, um, but I was at at some point dealing with their contracts and their salaries and the um, the um, contingency right and stuff like that. And you know, I I, I was doing that and. I was kind of involved in that, but I was, you know, I was also running the team. I was also with those guys on the weekends and, mm-hmm. you know, talking to them during the week about ABA or NBL. You know, I was kind of, I was really involved in the whole thing. Was and there actually, because I never heard the word, was there actually a budget? So. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just like kind of, you know. Um, yeah, I did a spreadsheet right. at the beginning of the year. You didn't have to stress on stuff too and, much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it wasn't... Um, you know, it, it was travel budget because we, you know, we didn't, we couldn't do what we wanted to all the time, even though it seemed like it. Right. But we tried to stay kind of in it. But what what was the big hits though is is uh, when you guys would win a lot. You know, those are big dents. Yeah, you yeah. Guys win championships that are big dents, and when you had four pros on the team, it's big. You know, so the contingency was hard to budget. Yeah. But um, the travel thing was um was easier to budget. But yeah, they were pretty. It was a pretty good budget. I don't know the numbers on it, but. Uh, there was there was padding in there for us to do what we needed. And was there any agents that, like did get Gary in a private agent or always handled everything himself? Handled everything himself. Right. Yeah. Yep. He um he handled it with um you know, I might not have dealt with Gary. Gary might have had like a three year deal or something with that was done with Huffman or something. Right. And then he just wrote it out and he never I might not have ever dealt with his contract, it sounds like. But Yeah. Um yeah, you know, I was dealing with the other guys and and um. And then Rob, obviously Robinson team. Can you, how many riders total uh, were you like guys dealing with with all the amateur teams? Uh, and I don't know. That was a lot. So there was a there was a GT team, and then we decided um, to split things up, and so we did a GT Florida effort. So we oh, had yeah, guys Brian. in Florida. Yeah, so we yeah. had Brian Fell, and um, you know he had four or five guys in Florida. And we would use those guys, and we would switch West Coast guys. And the idea was to be able to race NBL and ABA and cover both sides a little more efficient, right? You know, and um, then we had the Robinson guys that only did um, the West Coast stuff. So when we go to the ABA West Coast stuff, I'd have all the GT kids, the pro guys, and the Robinson team. And some guys like Lodi would be on so, GT for MBL or, or, or vice versa, right? Yeah, I, guys. he was. Him and Chad were on Robinson for uh, ABA. And I would take those guys back there for GT when when I needed to, right? Because at, at a certain point, I could have uh, Loraldi in like an open. I could have Shanahan in a class, and then Chad was younger, so I got all three of those. Now, guys. how did you guys? Did you guys have just had like say a big spreadsheet and like working? Because the team thing was huge for you guys to win all the team stuff, right? Yeah, um, I guess we were kind of in it. And we kind of knew what we had to do and what we needed to do. I didn't have the the spreadsheet. It wasn't a mathematical right. thing. You kind of knew what you needed. You knew who, because you were there all the time, you knew who was a certain age. But the good, the thing about GT was, man, um, all those dudes were so good. You know, all those kids were oh, so good. Yeah. So, so I could take whoever I wanted back east and, and no, just about win, win any time. Yeah. As long as, as long as everyone did what they were supposed to do, yeah. we, we could win. Yeah. So um, we ended up get, coming up short a couple times with just um, – you know, you'll have it. Uh, like Big East focused a lot on ABA, so he'd go to some ABA races that, that I wouldn't have a full team at, or I would split the team and stuff. Big E was obviously for those who don't know, we doing uh, the he was doing Powerlight. Power yep, yeah, he was doing Powerlight, and he was like the brand manager of Powerlight. He did a great job with that brand. He put that brand on the map again. Um, he had you know really good guys on the team, and I think they won the um, team title one year or two years. 
or so. Um, he'll be able to let you know for sure. But um, so yeah, we came up short a couple times. But other than that, I think I mean I don't know. We won. We won a lot. Yeah. Now, what about like the the GT factory itself? You know, the uh, again, I'll put some of this some footage I've got um, with this. That you guys build a track out the back. So what was the the purpose of that, you know, obviously testing, product development. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, when Griggs quit racing, um, I think he raced BMX and he raced mountain bikes a little bit. And I think when he was done with BMX, um, he got hired at GT to work in, I think, customer service and then product development. And it was great having Billy there because he, you know, he was – you know, he had been super successful BMX career, and now he's um, is a hands-on guy in the product development uh, shop. You know, building frames and working on geometry and working on frame design, so he could build us anything we wanted. You know, and we what was really cool, he was able to build us uh, build pro frames. He was able to loosen them up a little bit with using different tubing and different budding and stuff, and. Um, he was just super involved in product development and, you know, GT was invested in, in BMX. They were invested in everything. So to have, we had a little spot in the back at the new building. And so, um, Billy probably said, Hey, we should need to be an X track back there. I can go back there and ride anytime I want. I can test yeah, anything I want. Yeah. Um, pro guys can come over anytime they want. Mm -hmm. And so sure enough, we built the BMX track back there and it was, uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, we had a bunch of guys come back, mountain bike guys, you know, Stevie. it was technical. I remember for, for, for the time. It yeah. Was tough, you yeah. Know, Stevie to... came and rode yeah, there yeah, yeah, and, and you guys and, um, the amateur kids would come down sometime the Wally and Hernandez and Shanahan and, uh, contest would come ride it a little bit when they were here for the summer. And so, yeah. And, and like I said, Griggs could, um, I mean, he was super helpful to the team as well. And, um, what was cool was when the kids started growing and they would come out off the little tires to the three eights right. to the, to the, um, you know, 20 inch wheels. Um, uh, Griggs was able to build those frames just perfectly, exactly. And, yeah, and the, the tire would fit perfect and the kid would have less of a transition, um, a big transition because the bikes, he would step the bikes up perfectly. Yeah. Close, so. he, yeah he was good. Designed a bike with a, like, I mean, I have to talk to him. He could tell you like what was, what you needed and stuff. Mm -hmm. We're just so, onto it on all that stuff well another thing what I, I remember about the gt track in the back i think it was one of the years they did the bike show in anaheim right mm -hmm. and you guys put on an event remember that night yeah and i was trying to tell my wife last night and i was playing i'm i seem to remember so everybody that was in town for the bike show which was obviously yep. the whole industry was invited to gt's i think it was a open house open house but the yep. way they took everybody to the track which finished for the event mm -hmm. you had to walk through the factory which was probably pretty smart right because yep. everybody got to like say do a tour a tour yeah. open house it was just really great 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 marketing yeah. I guess, right? you know so it was uh it was gt and robinson and, and the mountain bike stuff but what also gt did is they owned rightway which was a parts distributor mm -hmm. so and they distributed parts to most every bike shop in the country and so we invited everyone over to see GT, yeah. to see Rightway. And so we toured them around. We got to show them the warehouse. We got to show them the latest in technology on how we packed and how we pulled product and stuff. So, And we also built some bikes there. So we had a assembly line going. Right. So it was just a great yeah. a great chance for everyone in the industry and you know to see everything and to see how we operated, see how we built bikes and see how – the heat treat machine in there, you know, you don't mm -hmm. get to see that all the time. No. So, and then it came out back and we had, um, food. And then, like you said, we had a band and down by the band. Food was, for everybody as well. Yeah. You know, tons of food. It, one quick, quick burger and drink. Yeah. It was like sushi bar. Upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And then 
there was a band that played out. Um, I think Common Sense. It was one of Hans Ray's uh, buddies. Right. I think is actually his next door neighbor for a while. Right. So they played out there, and then we had the BMX track and had music, and we had a race going on. So you know, everyone crowd around the music and yeah. the race, and so yeah, it was really, it was really. Uh, and all the GT amateurs beat the pros, like yeah, Rinaldi yeah. and Shanahan and Hanes. They like because the track was so technical. They were going for they it. They were better yeah. than the pros on that track. <laughs> <laughs> they were, the pros weren't too too worried about winning. I don't think no. <laughs> the kids were though. Right. So, but it's just another another thing that GT was so ahead of the ahead of the game. You know. Yeah. Just just. just um, you know, York's here a little bit. Let's maybe plug in a little bit of the... Tell us a little bit about the the European team. You know, obviously it was started with... European GT team was... Garrett Dose obviously yeah. started it first with Rich Long, with his relationship with Rich Long, and then you came in. Uh, yeah, tell us. Yeah, I came in uh, after 96 when Garrett started to do the Webco thing with Nico. So right. they needed someone else to, uh, to do the team manager thing, and I was helping Garrett with their World Cup series. So we traveled in 90... 95, 96, we did all the, the first World Cups with the timing system and uh, all those things. So yeah. I, I did the timing system for those races. And so I got to, yeah, spend a lot of time with Garrett. And then they asked him if, if he knew someone and he, he mentioned my name. So, and then from there, uh, 97, I went on being the European team manager. Right. So you were on there and uh, Robert was on there and a few other yeah, who were some uh, of the riders on the European? Kelvin Beatty at one Kelvin point. Kelvin Beatty at one point. Scott um, Burston. Burston. Yeah. Um, the Swedish uh, girl. Um, what's her name Who's again? Who's her name? Uh, Sana Olsen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, from Switzerland. Uh, Tatjana Schocher. Um, Ellen Bollancé. Okay. Florian Boot. Um, so you was the second part of GTO. Because yeah. the first part was with Robert Sprockholt, uh, Corinne Dorland. Yeah, yeah, that was Dennis, uh, the French guy with blonde hair. Uh, Dennis Lobb. Love, no, um, uh, Dennis, um, he raced in Christophe. Casamata, yeah, 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 he was that was the first, yeah, that was the, the first, first Minozzi, Minozzi, Frank Bricks, yep. and then you came in for the second part, yeah, yeah. For the second part, yep. So, yeah, and then you started coming out racing as well. So, your relationship as a team manager in Europe, then TC started bringing you out, and yeah, when when we're doing the World Cups, uh, we, we had a bunch in in uh, the US as well. So, I raced there on the cruiser, just you know, having fun. I just finished school, I'm like, well, I need to. Yeah, I just yeah. got in the job, so I'm like, I'll, I'll keep on racing for one or two years. Just right. To, to Win some easy world titles. Bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 1929. That, that was a wrong one, How many times did you win that? No, I, I just got uh, four world titles. That was always so easy for you, wasn't it? Uh, Remember, it was like once. it was a guaranteed win. One at York at the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was a guaranteed win when he was. Well, I brought him to America for the team. Yeah, shoot. yeah. <laughs> asset. No, I won the the first one. I got in '94, so we just raced superclass, and I finished school in '94. Right. '93 uh, was my last year as superclass, mm -hmm. and then in '94, like I need to finish school, so I backed off of the superclass scene and finished school, and then. All right, I'll do one more year because it was in the U.S. and we we planned a trip afterwards. You know, visit, fly to California, yes. do the whole tour, mm. tourist like. So I'm like, I raced at uh, Worlds and I won on on the cruiser there. And then '94 start working, raced a little bit, and '90 at the end of '94, Garrett, we, we were talking about. Uh, the World Cup thing because he wanted to bring out more serious BMX and yes. et cetera, et cetera. So I got hopped on that one, and then we went. Uh, I think we did the summer. No, spring break was one. One of the floor uh, Orlando races was like ninety five, uh, like ninety five, and then the first one we did, uh, I think Ohio, Columbus. 
that was so early nineties. Yeah. So yeah. So I came out with uh, Garrett as well for the World Cup thing, and then I raced again, and you know, and then obviously I raced for Caston one year, and then oh, you did. Yeah, <coughs> you know, no, that's yeah. on ninety five or ninety six, and then at the end of ninety six we went back to tour again with Garrett for the o Oklahoma race and or Ohio race, and then after the Worlds, they approached me already for GT, so that was yeah. going on, and then from there on picked up some things and then I raced on GT for uh, Ohio and then TC caught on to it and then because we were doing back and forth a little bit with yeah. Robert as well so you know Robert's going you had a great deal forth. really in today's world that sponsorship that you'll have you got to do Europe oh, and then come out for the big US race that's a yep. dream sponsorship right now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it was yeah. flying in I did some races right. I left Piss all the old American guys off oh, in the yeah. old class <laughs> well that, that cruiser class turned into a legitimate class with points. points and everything yeah. so yeah. it's like man they some of the guys were just like getting free points up there i'm like oh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end that <laughs> right right <laughs> you're already coming in yeah yeah, yeah, in yeah, from yeah Europe. bringing in the trump card yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then world we won world titles as well didn't we that too kind of the worlds would combine the teams right yeah didn't that's we, what we did yeah we yeah the teams back yeah. before garrett used to use the, the gt europe team as mm -hmm. a team and uh, gt usa was a team and right then, and as we come on we're like why yeah, are competing each other. We're the same brand, and we're yes. competing each, against each other. So we merged. Do you know how many times teams. we won that? We I keep saying we. I think I've yeah, on the sheet the, twice, once cruising. I think yeah, I cruise boy, you can say we. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the sheet, <laughs> England. These <laughs> were belling in the beginning. I think it would, uh, Sun Chippy was still around. It was so Sun and though, always yes, you guys wanted. Sun and, and, yeah. and GT were like the the, the, the two big the ones. Two big yeah, ones that battled for the the team at the Worlds. Right. So I, I, we won Argentina for sure. Uh, we won France, I think. Um, We'd won it in '94 as the Euro team. So remember that was yeah, a big deal for in, Garrett. We yeah. won in uh, um, Oaks. in Waterford. Yeah, mm -hmm. we actually yeah. Um, beat the American team, which was good. And then England, yeah. so I've got the picture for sure. Yeah, in England, we won in six. Yeah, but that, yeah that's when uh, the, the, they changed around the whole stuff. So you had to have an elite and a girl and all that on the uh, team. Okay. So we'd be. Yeah, I've got a picture of those winning yeah. that, yeah. So, yeah, the GT won there, and then 96, what was 96? 96 was Brighton. Brighton, and then we went to Saskatchewan, Canada. Like in Canada. I don't know who won there. Another great trip. Yeah, so, yeah, we did a bunch of trips in Australia the year after, then France year after that, and Argentina, and then 2001, I think that was the last run for GT, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And same for Europe was 2000 the last year, so we won the European titles. We won a bunch of European oh, you won titles Europeans as well. As well yeah, because yeah. we had uh, Florent Boot, Robert, and Alan Bolonce. Well, Florent Boot and Robert were first and second every race. Yep. So you we know? won that, and then Florent won cruiser, Alan won girls. So we had that covered pretty much. We had one, two on the 20 inch, and then we had Alan on uh, girls because we had had a girl on the team, and right. we had to have a cruiser on the team. So that Florent Boot rode the cruiser. He won. Alan won uh, her 20 inch, and Robert got first or Florent got first and the other guy got Who's second. Who's got all so these trophies and stuff now? Do you know where they all are? No, I went in the office and I don't know. Bart DeJong maybe knows. Bart? Yeah. <laughs> freestyle Bart. He's probably not, it's not, not a freestyle podcast. He's probably not listening now. Yeah, yeah they're probably at pure, pure BMX, so, right? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the pure BMX uh, office. So, TC, so, yeah. tell us a bit more about some of the sponsorship. I'd love to tell the stories, at least what I know. Some of the, yeah. you don't have to let, give us figures on that. but Let me uh, let me go back to talk about what um, Yorgi was talking about with uh, 
we started kind of combining the teams. I think you came over. Did you come over in uh, 98? 96. 96? End of 96. Okay. And then, um, so you moved over. So you were part of the team for a couple years. Um, uh, DeVilda was doing a 50-50 thing for a while, Robert DeVilda. Yeah. And then he ended up moving over here. Um, so the the... The USA team turned into a. I mean, it turned into. And then Thomas after it was that. A, it was an international team, pretty much. Um, yeah, Allier was on the team. I think he was. Um, was he eighty nine or so? He came straight after Australia, so he eighty nine was Australia. Yeah, ninety eight. He won Australia on Sun, mm-hmm. and then he came to the US, and that's when you guys. Yeah. Now this is because I know I've, I've talk, again I've talked about it before. Chris, you guys were before Thomas, maybe before he came. You guys were considering Christoph, weren't you? Yeah. I remember he came to my house and. Yeah, yeah, man, show me all your stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I met um, met Kristoff. I think I took um, Bill Galloway. I think he was a vice president at um, at GT, uh, another Florida boy. Uh, and we had we had lunch with him, and um, we just kind of talked a little bit and talked what, about. Was was his agent there? PD? No, was, I, no. I I told uh, <laughs> I told I I, I love uh, Deluski, and um, actually Deluski lived at my house for a while, and um, he actually talked me into getting my first dog in California. Oh, he did. Yeah, we're still he, hoping to get Pete on the podcast at some point, but oh man, keeps denying us. It's going to be a big contract to get him on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you see, he took care of my dog when I was gone. We had a great time, but. Um, he was an agent, um, and then I think he was helping Thomas out, and he helped a lot of these guys out, which was good. But um, I told I told Thomas to leave Pete at home, and um, so Christoph, it didn't work out. You guys had lunch or whatever. I had lunch, yeah, and yeah. Um, you know we talked about our program, and um, Christoph was just he was always um, he's always done his own program. Solo, yeah, 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 he's always been solo, always done his own program, always kind of run his own thing, and, and that's what worked for him, you know. And um, our program was was really wide, you know what I mean? You you had to go to you had to go on summer tour. You had to do some tours. You had mm-hmm. to do some clinics. You, you know, it was more of a team. It was more of a team. Right. And Christoph was more of an individual. And so after that, after that conversation, it was like, ah, oh, it's not going to fit, you know. And then, um, uh, I, uh, you know, I told I told um, Galloway what I was thinking. He's like, yeah, you're right. It's not going to fit. So that was it. And um, I had um, I had met Thomas in Europe when we went. You came with me. You came I to went house. to your house. Yeah, yeah. And we, we did, did more clinics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and went to some European races. And um, I met him. And I actually met um, Stephanie at the snack bar, getting some <laughs> snacks because she was working the snack bar. And he was racing. Oh, she was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With um, Montelima, we went to. Yeah, think. yeah. And and then the other girl in the snack bar was someone else's girlfriend. Probably Falco or somebody. Could have been, Come but in. yeah, they were. The girlfriends had the snark bar on lockdown. Right. Yeah. Guys were killing everybody on the track. Jumping <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and everything. So, everything. Yeah. And um, so I, I ended up talking with him. And um, it was a cool cool story to, to talk with him. You know, he didn't speak very much English at all. Um, I didn't want Deluski involved. So I, I called this French restaurant. And I said, hey, I want to hire um, you to come translate for us. Because he didn't know me. He didn't know right. EMX. He didn't know Thomas. So, and I, um, I had this French guy from this restaurant come in and translate for us so we could try to be as, as equal as possible. Yes. Kinda, you know, you don't know this guy. I don't right. know this guy either. So hopefully we can talk through him and just use him as a tool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Know, Smart talk. thinking. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so we ended up getting a deal worked out with him, which was, uh, which was pretty cool. And, um, 
Then Florent Boot came over as well in like 99 or 2000. He came over a little bit to race. Stayed at Thomas's. He got cut off though, yeah. He couldn't get out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. I think you got, he's already, he was, by the time he got here, because he went on Diamond Back, so I think he was already gone from GT by the time he got here. I oh, think okay. you guys probably said not another one. <laughs> no, not <laughs> another trying one. Trying to get rid of some. <laughs> so yeah, we had the whole, we had, you know, a lot of European guys on the team. What about the end of Ellis? How was that for you guys? Did you guys try and get him to carry? Because obviously Gary was still fast. He'd won the NBL Grands the same year he retired. Did you guys try and get him to stay? Or No, I think he had his... Um, uh, he was really, really good with you know his whole program. He lived up in Washington. He was doing his own thing. And he was just a good... He's a good team player. He's you know, he a great racer. He won titles. And he put a lot into those titles and a lot into to winning that. And I felt at some point he felt like he was getting he was getting toward his end where it was harder for him to do yeah. or you know more risk or or you know whatever. And he kind of had it planned out. And that way, when he had it planned out, and he did, I think his three year deal. You know, he also had it planned out. You know, because he would give he gave all of his energy all the way to the end. You know, mm-hmm. and um, that was it. When he was done, he was done. And um, it was cool. We had that farewell tour where we all had the jerseys. Jersey, yeah, 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 it was really neat. Still see some of those floating around on Facebook when people post them, you know? Yeah. So that was good, man. Gary was um, – it was great because GT was growing and it was big. And Gary was part of the team the whole time. And, you know, he was the number one guy. And uh, we had the number one team. And we had our TV show. And it was just good. Ellis was a um, – I think he was felt was a good representative for the, the, the company and for the sport of BMX as well, you know. And his, his family's got deep roots in BMX. His father, um, Gary Ellis Sr., I think he was the longest track uh, operator for a long time. Okay, I remember He's actually that, yeah. in the Hall of Fame too. I, I did read that. I was yeah. looking at the brochure yep. when we was there and reading so all the past winners. He ran, he ran the track that Gary raced at for years, years and years and years. So – a lot of uh, family history there too for Gary. What I, I, I like TC is how Gary was, you know, on the pro teams and the amateurs, how everybody was treated the same. Obviously, everybody had the old individual mm-hmm. contract, but maybe talk a little bit about, you know, being in the pro car and everybody was, it wasn't like now, it seems like a lot of the, you know, or since your, my era after, there was a lot of pecking order, well, I'm better than him. And he, you know, a lot of that, you guys seemed to keep it. And it was a very high level. Obviously, everybody was doing good on the team, but you kept it very, uh, like I said, Gary did clinics. Gary could sit in the tent with the amateur team, and mm-hmm. you know it was very. Uh, yeah. How, you guys, how did you guys manage all that? Um, man, it it was uh, it was hard, but it. I mean, I felt like those guys, Townsend and Ellis, those guys, they went through like the downswing with BMX. Mm-hmm. So when when it, the swing was coming back up, and they were on GT, and I think they, you know, they were a little older. I think they just understood it a little bit, and yeah, they would be in. You know, Gary wasn't coming to the race, getting his own car. You know what I mean? He was right. in the car with, you know, Nelson and Townsend and Romero and mm-hmm. whoever else showed up. And we had King come to races whenever those guys weren't racing mountain bikes. Lopes came to a race. I mean, we had those guys all in the same car at some point in time. Yeah. Um, you, whenever you would come. So it was, um, I mean, all these guys were great. You know, it was, it was I got to race with those guys as well, um, Townsend and, and um and Ellis, and so as I when I was managing, you know, we we actually had a kind of different relationship as well. So um, that was it. It, it. They would just they were team players, and and they would do what they needed to do. And you know, they had a good contract, and they had, um, you know, even though they had to ride in the car together, you know, they they got what they said they were, you know we said they were going to give them as mm-hmm. as, a, as a company. And mm-hmm. you know, I always did as much as I could for each guy all mm-hmm. the time, no matter what. 
It must have been soap for you to deal. Again, this is pre internet, at least it was for me. Yeah. And pre cell phones, you know, we'd call the 1 800 number to find out what's going on. You know, we'd get off the airplane, you'd go to the phone, call 1 800, and then there'd be a yeah. message from you if you, unless you were coming to the race. Yeah. You know, okay, guys, Townsend's late, wait at the airport, yeah. wait at the curb, you know, and, and messages. And then when I think we'd have to send the results in or something after each day. And yeah, it was crazy. It was a very well oiled machine. I mean, how did you guys. You know, would you guys come up that with yourself or the ex- years of experience? You yeah. Kinda... Um, you know, Bill, Bill Nelson had it pretty dialed in and he taught me a lot. But, um, you know, I learned a lot from Lenny on running those tours and running those clinics yeah. and running that whole thing. And then, um, you know, he didn't go on tour. For, and then I started going on tour. So I'd kind of organize it. And then I organized the GT tours. And then I'd just been an organizer. So we would just, it just kind of, I think, went from there. And we took that, you know, we took that, I took that model with, with Free Agent and mm-hmm. with Christian Besserine, the th- get up at six o'clock, out of the room at 6.30, <laughs> be at the car, you know, be yeah. there before warm up, you know, straight after practice, get to the car, don't hang out and BS on Friday yeah. after practice, you know, all that stuff I learned from you, we took that, you know, me and Christian, and we, we plugged Kyle Bennett into that program, yeah. uh, that was, Kyle was a little bit challenging on that, but he, he, he was involved, and then when, after the next year, when Maris came, we plugged you know, Maris yeah. did the same thing as well. So, Up like I say, six, we really do. Lenny still uh, <laughs> you know, did a, kept uh, that model yeah. carried on for many years. You know, yeah. And um, you know, each one of those guys had different personality, and and um, but they all wanted to win. And um, so I would just try to help those guys, however I could. You know, try to get their their result they wanted, which was winning. And so you know, work with those guys, and then as those guys retired, you know, work with with you and. And Danny and um, Romero and, you know, Romero had, had his NorCal thing going. And, right. and um, you know, sometimes he would show up at the race really, really, um, you know, charged up. Right. <laughs> he yeah, was charged yeah, yeah. up, <laughs> you know. But, we, I mean, we had some conversations. But, you know, he, he was just excited. He wanted to win races. And, and he's, you know, he's a great dude. And um, mm-hmm. just, um, you know, trying to leave maybe some of the NorCal and SoCal stuff um, in NorCal, and then when you when you get on the plane, you know your 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 goal and your focus is to to, to win the race. Right. And when you can go home, you can you can talk about NorCal all you want. <laughs> but um, and, and it was it, man. He was a great, he's a professional and great great racer. And um, so it wasn't. It might have seemed that hard, but it wasn't because everyone's trying to do the same thing. You know, all you guys were, and then you were up at six because you want to get up at six and you want to be ready and you want to get to dinner and you our lunch and our breakfast and you want to get to the track and you mm-hmm. want to make sure you're there in time for practice. Yeah. So a yeah. lot of that stuff was you guys were doing it already. It just was trying to get it, you guys all to do it at the same time. Yeah. And, and it wasn't wasn't that hard. One question I had for you, and I, th- I think it's challenging today, seeing some of the the national teams where they've got big players you know, within the same camp, you know, uh, USA is always, you know, has been deep since the start of BMX up till, you know, even, even up to, till right now, you know, but you've still got different guys sitting in different, different areas of the tent and stuff. I mean, I've been in the tent where NBL grounds, where there's been Allier and Nelson up for a title and, and Ellis, obviously, mm-hmm. how did you manage that? You seem to do a very great job of, of not favoriting anybody, it seemed like. Yeah, is there any strategic plan around that, or um, just your experience as a racer yourself, maybe? Yeah, just try and treat everyone the same, and and um, you know, just like I said, I would try to help each guy do you know reach their goal and do the best they can they can do, and so I would try to help each guy, you mm-hmm. know, the same, and um, yeah, like I mean, I think um, Romero was. 
um, at the middle of the year, they gave away ten grand or something like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Romero and Nelson were were neck and neck for that. And you know, I talked to both those guys before the races and and let them know. And I felt I think they also felt like I wasn't favoring the other guy either. I was, you know, I was there for them and I was right. I was wanting them to do the best they could do. Mm-hmm. And then I think Nelson crashed. Messed his bike up or something, didn't he? Yeah, and I think I had to take your bike. Was Probably it? My, yeah, I wasn't there, but my bike was. I seem to remember we had a bike. I problem. think we yeah, had, yeah, to, yeah. and so we had to pull. I think we had to pull it off the team sheet or something. I don't know. It was it was weird. So Orlando, and so I think. you know, and then you know, we had four or five guys working on Danny's bike, getting it together, and you know, there Greg sitting in the corner. I think he'd probably won that first main, and, right? You know, and but we would have done the same for Greg, right? Yeah. You know, and, and so that's it. Danny got out there and raced it. I don't think Danny won that. I think Greg won the 10 grand, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we tried just as hard for, for Danny as we did for Greg. And, um, Greg came in on top that time, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, same thing. I think Allier and Nelson were, were neck and neck for the NBL, NBL title. Yep. And they're in the same car together. Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them in the same room together. <laughs> I'd advise yeah. No, up. I think I, I think <laughs> I would be with Nelson a lot of the times. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I think Allier was, I don't know. I don't was was no, I don't think he'd want to stay with Robert. Did he? I think Robert, Maybe you always a few put times, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. know who else was on the team then. I don't know. I stayed without Thomas a lot the first year. Yeah. And then I was always between Thomas and, and Danny, but, I bet Romero, yeah, he was always Romero would stay with Townsend, right? So yeah, maybe Romero was staying with uh, Allier. Yeah, I don't know. He was talking because he was talking about NorCal, and Allier couldn't understand him. Right, perfect. Allier <laughs> 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 didn't listen to him anyway. <laughs> what was some of the most? Um, have you got a, like a, a team title that you feel special about, or one of the you know one of the titles somebody might have won? What's what was a big big deal for you? Um, you guys won so much. Yeah, I mean, we. I, we when I was there. Yeah, yeah, no, you can say we. <laughs> You're part of the team. Part of the team. Um, man, we won a lot, and I, I didn't keep track of it all, and um, I didn't keep track of the pro titles or the team titles or anything. Um, the one that was that was special to me that I, I ended up bringing the tro- taking the trophy or I ended up keeping it when I moved from GT or whatever was the, um, the team trophy in uh, Argentina. 2000. Yeah, yeah, and... Um, that was a. Uh, uh, I mean, it started just like normal. We, 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 I think we flew. Some guys flew from, I guess, Europe. Some guys flew. We were at a race in Texas. Some guys flew on American. Some guys flew United. I mean, we just all ended up getting down there, and um, uh, we got into a, a car crash. Um, we were coming home from dinner one night. Um, York's going to be able to help me out with this, and tell me who was in the car. And um, it was. Uh, they were just guys just running the lights. And Thomas stopped at this light. Probably the first time he stopped at the light all weekend, but he stopped at the light. And then they got rear-ended pretty hard. And it was uh, Thomas was in the car. Thomas in the car. I was in the car. Andy, Reem, and I think Mario Soto. Oh, oh wow. Mario B. Okay. So all those guys were in the car. And um, so me and Bill were back at the room. We were getting ready to open some wine and, and, and um, get our team sheets ready. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Ritual. Yeah. So me and Bill stayed together a lot. I was, I had a great time with Bill. And, um, so we were getting ready to do our, do our team sheets or whatnot. And then York runs in the door, you know, red and, and looked like he just been done a marathon. He goes, we had a car crash. So I was like, Holy crap. Um, he told me about it. So we got in the cars. That was when Billy was with, with us. Yes, Billy kind yeah. of rejoined the race team a little bit. He was racing. He was helping out with product development. Um, he was able to help you pro guys with 
anything you guys needed. You know, even if you need to talk about a race, he could, you know, he was just a really good guy to have. Yeah, yeah. I grabbed him. Um, I don't know if I got Christian with me or not, or if Mario got Christian for us. But anyway, we went down there. Um, I told Billy to take pictures. I One guy took care of one guy. I mean, like, we just kind of managed the whole thing. Um, we had two guys that were... Uh, everyone was okay, but two guys. Allie was uh, had some cuts on his face, I think, and so did Andy. Right. Andy had a pretty bad cut on his nose. Andy Contes. So we went to the um, hospital, and Mario and Christian they went with us, and they translated, and they really helped us out, man. It was, I mean, they're not they're friends, and, um, but they're not part of our team or no. part of our our country or anything. But those guys. They're just they're BMXers and it's just like a family, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so yeah. they went, they translated everything. We got Thomas fixed up. Um, Andy got fixed up. Um, I'm like, Bill, man, how much cash do you have? Because I'm like, holy crap, this is going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> so, and then we had a t- car that was totaled too. So I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is going to be a hard call yeah, home. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> call home for this this thing. And so I'm like, I think it was 125 for one and 100 bucks for the other one oh, to wow. get stitched up. I was like, holy crap. And yeah. I'm like, here, I'm, I think I might have even tipped them a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, the doctor's English was pretty good. But still, Mario and um, Christian sat in there and they translated and everything. And, you know, those guys being there helped Andy and Thomas out too. Mm-hmm. So it was good. So that was a, a rough start to the whole thing. And then the next morning, um, the French doctor came over and took care of Thomas. And then after um, after that, he took care of uh, Andy, which right. was kind of – I'm kind of – Emotional um, <laughs> about it a little bit, but right. uh, you know they couldn't even talk to Andy, especially the French doctor. Right? He he's never going to speak English. But after that, dude, they took care of him and they bandaged him up, and I think they helped him out to, at the race the next day. Yeah, because Andy didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want him to race, but he wanted to race, and um, so he got his face all bandaged up and he got his helmet on, and like you could hardly see out. Right. Like, the bandages over the front of his thing, and I'm like, oh god, if he gets hurt down here, he's already got hurt, so it's already. I was already kind of hurt on my on my watch, and I got to call I got to call yeah. his dad. So anyway, the hot always went to get his helmet on, but he had to take the the pieces out on the site, just to get the it on. on, and then put the pieces back in. Oh. And he left so his he helmet went, on all yeah, day, all day long. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he made the cruiser main. Right. I forgot what he got, but he raced it. I don't know if Thomas raced or not. Thomas didn't race cruiser. Right? Okay, so no, he might he have not raced. raced cruiser. So you know, Andy just. You know, you just got to love Andy. He just never quits ever. So, and he raced it and he did, he did good and didn't get hurt and didn't fall. So I was relieved on that. Um, I think Reem won, Jamie Lilly won, Thomas won. Mm-hmm. Did we win the team thing? Yeah. Yeah. I won. So Yorgi won, of course. So anyway, um, that was a good weekend. We won. The guys won after having the adversity of that car crash. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, just to see how these guys could just push, so that one cruiser as push well. through. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. I think and that's why I kept that. It was a, it was a big story to have those guys be able to push through that. And, yeah. And, you know, not have to call home and tell someone their kid's dead. <laughs> yeah, no, close though. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, is there anything you want to touch on before we like talk about the end of GT? I don't know. Let me look at my list, Giles. I think um, you asked me about some of our sponsors. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell us about some of the co-sponsors. Obviously, yes, huge ones. WD forty, Nike. Yeah. yeah. You, know. Um, you know the the GT machine was working. You know, Huffman was working with the sponsors, and um, uh, um, 
Doug Martin had the mountain bike program and, you know, he had a lot of sponsorship opportunity over there and some of the sponsors were shared. Um, we got two cost sponsors at one point, right? Yeah. Um, we were, uh, the big ones I think were WD 40, uh, Saturn, I think was a sponsor at one time. We had Nike, we had Chevrolet, Panasonic, uh, Hot Wheels. And, um, like I said, it was a, it was a big company. So everything was working like Hot Wheels was sponsoring the team. I think we did some, uh, bikes for them as well. And we did some graphics for them. Um, so it was just a, just a cooperation between both the companies and, um, you know, they also started up on the TV show when we did the TV show, they were sponsors of that. So it was just a, it was a, it was a good program and, uh, it was, it was good for everybody, mountain bike guys and, um, BMX guys. And at that time when we were doing the, um, the Olympics, when we did the Olympics in, uh, 96. For Valodrome, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, cross country as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We made the project bikes and, um, so we made special bikes for that and everything. So like Marty Nolstein, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, I think there were some connections from um, Martin and from Huffman with the USA Cycling people. I mean, that might that might have been a Chevy thing or something. Right, yeah, yeah. So it was just a. So yeah, we had a, a lot of great sponsors, and um, it was you know really good, uh, really good time for the sponsors. I don't know how much money they were given or how much money was involved, but um, like I said, we had um, we had big programs. Yeah, no, cool stuff. But what, what do you think? What, why did GT kind of take a dip? What kind of? Well, I. Everyone's probably going to have their own. Every GT guy is going to have their own story. But um, Richard was super passionate about everything. Um, you know, he would show up at the track. Him and Gary would cook hamburgers at Cole Canyon. You know what I mean? Um, he'd bring his kids out. Um, he was just super passionate and super aggressive uh, businessman. Sometimes maybe too aggressive for some people. Um, but his passion was there. And um, I feel like. Um, as far as driving the company, I think he, he drove the company and he, he surrounded himself with a lot of good people. Like mm-hmm. he said, Holcomb, mm-hmm. you know, Huffman, um, Bill During, which was, uh, like goes back to the, you know, run the bike shop that I raced for. He just surrounded himself with good people that were uh, good in their field and did a good job. And, um, of course, Gary Turner, I mean, with his manufacturing and background and his building frames and stuff, you know, that was, a they were, it was a great partnership. And, um, I think once he, once he passed away, I think some of the, um, you know, everyone tried to continue the, the fire and the flame. You know, we all had passion as well. But I think without the um, without him and his passion for everything, I think that um, um, things just started changing little by little. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a lot of things changed. Competition changed. You know what I mean? The, the whole thing changed. So I think that's that's probably part of the, the start of it all. Yeah, now did you guys already start kind of looking out for what was next or was you guys trying to, you know, salvage or, yeah. or still trying to hold on to it or save it or was um, there any plans? We or? were we were still pushing um, to the very end because we still had um, sponsors that still had paid money for um, us to, um, to go to races and yeah. do freestyle shows and, you know, be at Mountain Bike Races, all that stuff. We still had commitments, you know. Um, and then after that, when the company was sold, the um, – we all got interviewed and they asked about what we did there. And, um, I think it was Huffman again. Huffman's like, you know what? Um, talked to Woody Itson and he said, we should just do our own, our own team. Mm-hmm. And, and cause, cause, um, the new owners wanted to kind of change the team around. They didn't want to do the freestyle program like it was. And, um, so they had a whole bunch of ways they wanted to run it. And, you know, we've been running the same thing forever. So we kind of wanted to do our own thing. So, with the help of Woody um, bringing the freestyle program in and the um, 
the cash from that program, definitely, and uh, revenue stream from that program. And uh, I think, I mean, I think Woody put in put in um, money to get the whole thing started as well. Mm-hmm. And then myself and Huffman um, started um, Satellite Sports Group, which was the um, BMX team and the freestyle team. And that that first so it was Satellite Sports Group for we did a two year deal with Giant. So you guys and, took the co-sponsors to Giant then, obviously, right? Yeah, I think we had WD40. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had some of our co-sponsors we took with us. Um, Giant wanted to get involved, back involved in BMX, because that was run by Skip Hess, which has a long history of yeah. the sport of BMX, his father with Mongoose, and uh-huh. him growing up in the BMX and in the industry. And they wanted to get into BMX again. But um, Giant's a big program. Uh, it's a big machine. It's owned by Taiwan. Um, you know, it's a Taiwan company. And um, so they got into it. We did some frames and stuff, but it just didn't didn't get as big as, as uh, we wanted it or they wanted it, I don't think. You know, they were – so it was after two years it was done. And somewhere during that, that second year, um, Huffman, uh, again, he was having lunch with Bill During, and Bill's like, hey, I need a guy to do product development for me. Do you know anybody? And then he's like, hey, what's TC doing? Or, or my name popped up somehow – and he's like, well, he's doing the team thing, but maybe that product thing might be something um, he's interested in because um, the giant program was going to end after two years. So um, Bill's like, uh, I said, I don't know anything about, we talked, I said, I know nothing about product development or anything, you know, Asia or nothing. Bill's like, I just need a guy I can trust. I've known you forever. I can trust you. So I can teach you all that stuff. Um, so I went to work with, with him and did the BMX program for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, um, he threw the road bike program on my, on my lap there at some point. And that's when it got really hard because road bikes was felt income for, it was their major deal for a, yeah. the USA market. So it got really hard at that point and it was hard working for Bill. Um, but again, he is passionate and worked hard. No one, no one got there earlier than him. No one worked harder than him. And, um, he really taught me product development and product management, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't wouldn't be in the product, still felt? product deal. No, um, felt was sold to Rosenau, and um, he, he uh, he's not with Felt anymore. No, yeah, I used to live right by him. Yeah. So then after that, what was after, after you then? Then of Jamis was it? Yep, I went after that. Um, how did that all come around? Um, how did that come? Oh, we worked with a factory uh, in Taiwan called Willing, and. Um, Here's a kind of a funny tie-in. Greg Weber, which is the vice president of product development at Jameis, was um, at the Willing Factory. And their product guy just left. And he goes, hey, I need a, a road bike product manager and a mountain bike product manager. Do you have any ideas? And uh, um, the family uh, they, uh, at Willing, the Chins, he said, hey, I know um, Todd Corbett it doesn't work for Felt no more. Why don't you uh, give him a call? And what's, uh, what's funny about the Jameis thing is um, – Bill During left the bike shop that I raced for to go work for Jameis as a product manager. So he was our first road product manager. Then after he went to GT, Greg Weber started doing product management huh. at Jameis. And then now I'm product manager at Jameis. So right. it's, it's a weird little circle. Yeah, there, right? no, for sure. Yeah. So um, I started at 2010 and I've been there ever since. So um, I do their road bikes and uh, gravel bikes now. And um, it's a great company. Uh, Weber's the... Uh, vice president and Karen Joanna is the president and um, she actually took it over from her dad uh, at about 20 years old so she's run that company for a long time oh it's, wow it's still uh, she owns the whole thing and they're based in New York right so uh, New Jersey New Jersey yeah because you lived there for a while didn't you 
yep, two years we went back there and lived. And um, it's good. You know, I'm living in California and I kind of um, able to do my own thing. And those guys, uh, they both kind of trust trust me to do what I'm doing and, you know, come, you know, we have some, we were really on the gravel scene and kind of really on some other, other platforms and, um, which is good. They kind of trust, trust you and let you do what you do. And a small company, you're able to do some of that stuff, but a big company, it's a machine. You can't, yeah. you can't sew a spreadsheet with a, you know, seven years ago with the gravel bike on it. Cause there was no spreadsheet for it. Right. So, and, um, that's it. So it brings us to the day, I guess. What, um, and you still travel a lot, right? You go to Asia a lot yep. still? What, yeah. We're about five, five trips um to asia year we work with uh ucc and we work with willing and we work with uh ming you still like traveling though don't you you always like traveling i I enjoy it yeah Yeah, i enjoy traveling and um you know that it's the asian people are really good to work with and they're um it's a challenge because there's um you know just challenges with everything but um uh, it's you know work with the greg's greg's done a great job He's a great, great president, our vice president, and he's a great product manager as well. And we've been, we don't just jump around. We stay with the same factories all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, he asked the factory for some help. They always give it to him, you know, because he doesn't sit there and ask for a penny on each bike every single day. Right. You know? So he, he's, um, we've got good, great relations with all the factories and it's, um, you know, I like to say it's easy work, but it's, um, it's easy work to work with the same people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, What's your thoughts on, you know, obviously since you, you guys have all obviously not been involved in the race scene for for many years. I know you're still connected to a lot of the GT guys, you know, Huff and, and everybody, Billy, and you guys are still probably looking in now with social media. What's your thoughts yeah. on the sport it is today? Obviously, you know, it's not what it it was um, in the, the good days um, of the 90s and, and even 2000s. Um, yeah, what do you th- what's your thoughts on yeah. as you see the industry and Olympics and everything like that? Um, well, it's great. To see it in the Olympics, I think that when I was um, the first time I went to the BMX track, someone told me it's going to be in the Olympics. Right. That was 1980. Right. <laughs> so it was cool to see it in the Olympics. And, you know, I, we got up and watched it on TV, you know, when it came. It was really neat, really mm-hmm. neat to, to see that happen. But I, I have I, – um, I follow a couple of people on Instagram, but um, I'm not that involved in the day-to-day or I don't know a whole lot about the BMX industry. But, um, you know, it's definitely changed the – um, we went to the we go to the Hall of Fame thing every year, the BMX Hall of Fame. It's a great great event to go to. Uh, everyone should go into it. I think. Yeah, um, it's really fun. Yeah, uh, I'm able to get the, a lot of the GT uh, kids that were the amateurs on the team to go, and we usually have a full table, and it's just really good to get back together and, and uh, see everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's something cool. Everybody should go to it. And then I think a few years ago we got to see the Supercross, and so seeing it come from the big hill was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but the one thing, me and Biggie were looking at going through the pits and stuff, and you know, it's not like it used to be in the pits. No. You know, there's guys on rollers, and there's guys. Um, no one's talking to nobody. No right. one's smiling. I remember that's what Biggie said to me. Yeah, he says there's Dale. No, he says it's a great race, but why is nobody? Nobody looks happy. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it was that was different for us because you know there was always clowning around. You know, after a race, and you'd be cooling off or whatever, and you'd be sitting. Of course, back then you'd be sitting out in the sun with your shirt off, and then right. you know Townsend would finish his banana, and he would throw it at you, and right. you know, it would hit, it'd get caught in Gary Ellis's mullet. You know what I mean? And then Gary would throw it, and it would be on someone else's face. So right. That's what it was for us. But yeah. yeah, not you don't. I don't. You might get beat down if you did that at the yeah. Why well, you get the you UCI? Get a, yeah, the UCI commissioners would probably give you the bad. <laughs> get written up something. You know? Yeah. So, but um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much uh, you know, to comment on the the current day of BMX. I know it's. Uh, it seems like from talking to you guys and stuff, it's a struggle sponsorship wise, and you know, um, 
like our, you know, like when we were doing BMX and when we were doing our thing, you know, our parents, uh, you know, we didn't do what our parents did. And then, and then now maybe we're kind of in the parent role, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the kids nowadays that are racing and riding and, um, you know, they're not going to do what, what their parents did, which is they're not going to do what we, what we used to do. Right. And they're not going to act like we did and they're not going to race like we did. And so it's just a different, different time, a different world, a different era, a different generation of kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that, that everyone's got to, got to do their best and, um, be serious about it and, and, you know, work hard, put in the work, but, um, you got to have fun at whatever you're doing. Cause if you don't like what you're doing, you don't have fun at what you're doing, then mm-hmm. you're not going to do a good job at it either. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's with work. That's with anything in life. Right. So I think you still have to, the, the guys race and still got to try to find some fun and in there somewhere to keep, Absolutely. to keep it all, to I keep the GT passion was and everything. a prime example of that. You can be serious. Mm-hmm. But you can have fun as well. And if you blend the two, there's longevity. And if you're having fun, you normally do good. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and we had, I mean, you were on the team. We had a lot of fun together mm-hmm. and did a lot of things together. And But, um, you know, it was serious. And we, we tried to provide all the tools to race and win with. And um, I feel like you guys had everything you needed to, to do that with, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just way ahead of the game, you know. And then after the motos and we had our fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we won't talk too much about on the podcast. But um, no, definitely. What um, uh, the future of, you know, obviously it's not just BMX though. It's, yeah, I read articles on mountain biking and road biking, especially in the US. It seems like mm-hmm. everybody's struggling a little bit. Kids are on phones, mm-hmm. electronics. It's a different world now, you know. We, it's, it's not, there's not the simple things to, to choose from to do, you know. Yeah. So what do you see the, the future of cycling and BMX? Or, you know, you guys probably talk about it within your yeah, company yeah, and stuff, you know. Trying to figure out what bikes to build and all yeah, that. Yeah, so many different um, choices and stuff. Yeah, it's the, the, you know, for cycling in the USA, USA is not really um, a cycling-oriented uh country i don't think not like europe is um a lot of our infrastructure is not perfect for cycling Mm -hmm. that makes it a little bit harder on us but we have um we got a ton of people here and we have a lot of people that are you know enjoy riding and um enjoy sport enjoying getting out and stuff so i still you know i still feel like there's a lot of um a lot of opportunity for cycling um a, a whole lot of opportunity for cycling to be honest because you know, you go, I'll just walk in the neighborhood, look around in the garages in my neighborhood and you don't see that many bikes. No. And if you do, it's an old bike that's left over from somewhere else. So mm-hmm. that's another person that can get back into cycling, you yeah. know, maybe, maybe, um, not go to kickboxing or not go to, you know, yoga or not go to spin class. Spin class is my, the worst one. I, I yeah. like to talk bad about spin class a lot, <laughs> but you know, cause like, to get outside and enjoy the wind in your face and to ride and just, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's the best way to explore. Like and You're still a big rider yourself, right? You still ride all the time? I wouldn't say big, but I like to ride. Yep. York's making me ride a little more than I, right. I ride here. Right. So, but yeah, I enjoy riding um, gravel and uh, I ride uh, with Big E on the weekends, try to we ride mountain bikes together. So yeah. after all these years, you know, we've been riding bikes together a lot and same thing on the mountain bikes, you know, we'll, I'll ride with him on the mountain and the, bikes. And the GT amateurs, are still, you still hang out with Loraldi and Shanahan. I, and yep, guys. I see those, I see those guys a little bit. Um, Shanahan lives about two miles away. So, um, just because we live so close, we see him and, uh, I'm still good friends with all those guys. We've all had a great time together. Kind of grew up with those kids because yeah. I think they were, I think guys, when I was taking over the team, I think they're like 14 years old. Yeah. So I kind of spent a lot of time with those guys. And even after BMX, we spent some time together too. Yeah, good guys, aren't they? All of them. You yeah. Know. So Dan's got bikes and we ride sometimes together. Um, he just had a, a, a child 
I think he's seven months old now, River. He's about seven months old, so he's busy doing that now. Yeah, yeah. So. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. So I think, I mean, for cycling, I think it's, um, uh, I think there's still have a lot of opportunity. I'm optimistic about it. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, kids on bikes, I think it's still a great opportunity for kids to get on bikes. The, um, the NICA thing, it's the mountain bike thing for high school. It seems like it's really taken off, doesn't it? It's taken yeah. off. It's got a lot of grip. So you that guys means, involved in that as well? Yeah, I think every company is involved in it to a point where we offer discounts for the kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, but other companies are heavily involved in sponsorship and all that. But, you know, that just shows a lot of kids out there that, that do want to get out and do want to ride the bikes. And, um, you know, I want every kid that's under the age of 16 to have a BMX bike and, and mm-hmm. not a road bike or a mountain bike. But that's not that's not reality. Um but what's going on is these kids are getting mountain bikes and they're making pretty cool mountain bikes for kids now. Mm-hmm. And they're, um, they're riding with their parents and, and enjoying it. So that's, um, that's great. So I still think there's a lot of opportunity for cycling out there. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything now, a little finishing, finishing points, you know, you, you've took them from your GT days or even your race days that you use today in, in life or in business, or is there any, you know, some of the things that you guys did, you know, is there anything that, uh, you kept with you in your back pocket still use? Yeah, I think um I mean, I think the whole BMX thing really just shaped my my whole life in general to be honest. Um, you know, from like uh you know when you're little and you start getting better or you start jumping farther, you know, you always just kind of want to want to do more or or do better at something, you know, and then being uh being in BMX which is an individual sport, you can act as an individual and and you have the organization of traveling and all that and the training and stuff we did. I think the whole thing shaped it. And, you know, a lot of the guys that I was able to um, come in contact with that that played a big part in my life, you know, I learned something from all those guys down the road. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, I say nowadays, you know, it's like all my friends are, are BMXers. And everyone I know and talk to is is they ride a bike somehow. Yeah, and I yeah. don't have, I don't have very many friends that don't ride bikes right. at all. I've met a couple of friends that, that didn't come straight from BMX, but, um, you know, still they ride mountain bikes and stuff. And yeah, still cool to be. So yeah, I think all. that, yeah, everything is kind of followed through and you learn a lot from yourself and you're traveling and, and working hard and on your own. And, you know, I think that's, that's something that kids might not do today. They might, um, uh, you know, not go out on their own. They might not go on summer tour. They might not go do, go do races by themselves or, or, you know, take the chances that we took back in the day. But you look back in the day, it seems like a big chance, but back in the day, it is more normal to do that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you know? So I think what Carnes does that tour, I don't know much about his tour thing, but I think that's a great opportunity. I think that being on a team and being part of a tour and going to see that and, he looks like he keeps it fun from from knowing yeah, him no, before. He's, he's really trying to, you know, you know, teach the kids what we just talked about, what we did, and mm-hmm. that, and obviously it's challenged in today's world. It's just a mm-hmm. different world, and he's still still battling to make it work, you know, at least on a, a, a bigger scale. But it, yeah, I think everybody that knows or looks in, that, that, you know, from yeah. our ears see what a great thing he does. And yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, he can continue to grow that, you know. Yeah, and um, what else is cool? I want to talk about. It's it's kind of neat as. Um, like your story too, you know, you're still involved in BMX and you're still teaching and you're still working with the YMCA. I'm not, I don't know everything you do, but man, you look like you're always in it. You're always trying to, to be involved in it. And I think that kind of just goes back to the whole program as well. And, mm-hmm. um, Romero still helps out BMXers and, yeah, yeah. and he's Thomas still in it. As well. Um, LEA is, is, uh, training, uh, athletes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Davilda 
is at the track three or four times a I week. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's teaching. Yeah. And he teaches like like we talked about. I think he might teach kids that have been out there maybe one time. Yeah, it's very grassroots. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I think he might teach um, better, you know, even faster kids. And mm-hmm. I know he was in Houston for some of his faster kids uh, last weekend. Yeah. So, and man, that's. I think that that's a, a good part, and I think kids nowadays should should take these clinics and take these seminars because you're going to learn more mm-hmm. more from, um, you know, maybe not track stuff. You'll learn track stuff, but you'll learn stuff off the track too. And yeah, I think there's a lot that the kids can pull from from you know the the older generation, I guess, that have done it. Absolutely. Well, as I say, we we learned that lifestyle, not just from you and being mm-hmm. around all you guys and, and being on GT. It was like learned learned how to travel, how, yeah. to, how to order food, how to what what to do, what not to do. You know. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, I think uh, it's been like whether it started at Lenny. Yeah. Remember, you say I think Lenny, if you listen to this, good job. <laughs> <laughs> We got his number. I think we need a podcast with Lenny. You as might well. need a Lenny podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah. I think you know, I, I everything I still do now, a lot of it re- relates back to what I learned from you and GT, and then we'll continue to pass it on, and yeah. hopefully yeah. people can still gain value from it. You know, the next generation of kids coming through. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and like uh, what well, I miss, Jay Rich. Jay Rich is still heavily involved in oh, BMX, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you know, he was part of the program too. He was part of the Auburn program, but still part of the same program. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think that did I miss anybody? That I know, no. probably a bunch, but yeah, yeah, I know. I probably missed a bunch of people. We can do it again. There's more, <laughs> more stuff to talk about. Jorg, anything you want to close in words from yourself? I probably need to do a podcast with you. Maybe next time you're here as well. Yeah. So you're still, Jorg, still training guys. He's still know, involved, still helping in, kids out. I saw him at the grounds just randomly a couple of years ago. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, he's at the grounds as well. You know, ran the team still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, thoughts on anything? No, not specifically. I think it, it, it changed the BMX scene around with going to the Olympics. So it, that's definitely a, a, a big changer in, in the BMX scene. So, But I think it's got these good things and it's little different things that changed it around and made it different than what we were just talking about. So, yeah. In general, I think it's still moving forward. And, and like you were all saying, it's like people uh, passing on their knowledge and helping out. I think that's the coolest thing about knowing all you guys and, and seeing you guys like after all these years still. So yeah, that's, 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 that's still, cool. Still fun at the end of the day, you know. TC, if anybody wants to uh, message you, send a sponsorship proposal, no, no, any GT no. stickers, you know, do you want to maybe just tell everybody now you've got nothing left from GT to no, 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 no. shirts? I don't no, have anything. No, uh, <laughs> anything left. Um, right. I'm on Instagram. I think that's, <clears throat> that's it. I think it's... Uh, Todd Corbin on Instagram or something like that. Right. Same but, as you, Yoga. If any, um, you, you, I didn't know. You just told yeah. me. Tell me if you can tell us who you, you, you're training right now. Uh, I'm still helping the two two Dutch guys out. They're just riding. I don't care about if they're good or not. I just try to see them see them progress. That's what I, the, the fun part is about, you know. Yeah. And in the US, I help out two guys, Peter Choate, uh, help him out. And right now, I'm helping out Ronnie Kim a little bit. Yeah, as a dominator, yeah. Skill wise, yeah. yeah. Get him uh, get him on the next step. See uh, if he can continues and do what he's been doing. So everybody yeah. needs a good legit coach, a legit coach, because there's a lot that aren't legit. Hit up Jorg. I know he doesn't need the money. The guy kills it already in life. But uh, hit up Jorg. He's a good guy and uh, very helpful and legit. So, TC, thanks a lot. I only got one more thing. Um, like I said, I might have forgot somebody. But, um, man, as, as all of us, there's a lot of families, a lot of people that help you along the way and stuff. And yeah. I probably forgot them. But, anyway, I want to I thank them out there. And, man, if it wasn't for these, these key people and all these families helping you and buddies helping you out, you, no one would be where we are. So I want to thank all those guys even if i forgot somebody cool good stuff yog tc that was fun and uh thanks for everybody listening and we'll catch you next time cheers